Hush hush mush mush. Mula shmula. Furniture upstairs rearranged in all the wrong places. Your complexion is your protection. Ufa. The language used by Curtis Sliwa is replete with spoonerisms, malaprops, and fractured phrases, and is not a reflection of the language that you should use in your normal conversations. It is Sliwanics, and a glossary of its words and definitions are posted on wabcradio.com. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
That's so good. That's so good. Broadway Billy, so nice. We got to do it twice to kick off what is going to be six straight hours to the break of dawn. And nobody better fall asleep. DJ. Juice to the max. And we got our crew in here tonight, right into the break of dawn. Broadway Bill Leon Lone from WCBS-FM, where he is attached like an appendage to Joe Corsi. And, of course, Avery, who has been working diligently, having been forced to listen to 20 hours of Frank Morano this past week. Oh, my God, oh, my in order to come up with the funniest hour in all of radio, and you'll hear that between four and five. But I will tell you this, we may be lean, 
But we're not mean here, no, no, on WABC. Not, not in the wee hours of the morning. Because I can imagine right now that 55-plus crowd is at Pastel's, the disco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Brooklyn anymore. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, (laughs) Billy. That Pastel's was closed a long time ago. 2001 Odyssey. Ladies and gentlemen, you remember that when Bay Ridge was the epicenter of disco in the whole world. When Saturday Night Fever hit with John Travolta, oh, yeah, the two Norwegians who owned 2001 Space Odyssey, they were the uh, squareheads. And then, of course, it was Pastels, closer to the bridge. But then, slowly but surely, like everybody crawling across the bridge, the plank, the Guinea Gang plank, let's, let's, I, I'm half Italian, I can say it, tough noogies if you don't like it. And Pastel set up shop in Staten Island. Now it's a much older crowd, much older. And I'm I'm sure, in fact, some of you folks have actually been out there, especially Saturday nights. Oh, man, it's kicking. Now, not the way it used to be, obviously, when it was in Brooklyn. We were all a lot younger. We all were sort of reminiscing. At that point, in terms of how great disco was and still is. In fact, recently they had the disco ball. That's right, the disco ball. I wasn't invited by the greatest club promoter of all time, Vito Bruno. But that young little whippersnapper from Staten Island, Vinnie Mendugno, he was invited. Like, who am I? Am I not uh, worthy of having been invited to the disco ball? Ladies and gentlemen, let's get right down to it. We got so much to cover, and so much of it in the early portion of this show is going to be about Staten Island, right? It's only like 500,000, but per capita, per person, out of the five boroughs of the city of New York, there are more listeners to WABC than per capita in Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, and of course, Manhattan. Now, New Jersey's got them all beat. Oh, I do the analytics, and I've been doing it for years. But so many people have done the hop, skip, and a jump. I remember sitting there in the car on 86th Street. And I remember my Uncle Vincent said, hey, come on in, one young. You want some White Castle belly sliders, belly busters? I said, hell yes, Uncle Vincent. And we were watching them build the Verrazano Bridge. It was back in the 60s. This is before Saturday Night Fever. Before they went up there and started to act like the Wallander Brothers and balance themselves on a balance beam. No, 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 no. This is during the construction phase. And I'll never forget my Uncle Vincent saying, Wanyang, that's where half our family's going to move to. I said, what are you talking about? From East New York, from Canarsie. They're going to get on that Bell Parkway. They're going to cross that Verrazano Bridge. And they're going to go to the South Shore. They're going to go to Mid-Island. And then they're going to do the hop, skip, and a jump down to the Jersey Shore. They'll end up in Tom's River, or they'll end up in Manalapan. And then they'll make the big move where? To Florida. That's as if they're Gentiles. Now, if they're Jews, they go across the plank, but not on Saturday if they're observant. And they settle in Mid-Island, near Willowbrook. And then maybe they get over to Jersey. They take the Outer Bridge Crossing, the Gothels Bridge, the Bayonne Bridge. Next stop, Lakewood. Yeah, Tom's River, you know. 
Before you know it, they're on their way to Florida. And the exodus is continuing as we speak, ladies and gentlemen. People are taking all different routes. But unfortunately, in our area, whether you're in Connecticut, eastern Pennsylvania, throughout New Jersey, or here in the city of New York, in the outer suburbs of Westchester, Nassau, Suffolk, the Mid-Hudson Valley, all the way up to Plattsburgh, the flight continues south of the Mason-Dixon line. They're going to Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, especially Florida. Even though prices are high, you can't get flood insurance. The car insurance is skyrocketing. Properties are at a minimum in terms of rentals or leasing or buying. But people from the panhandle out west near the Alabama border all the way down to the gay and lesbian enclave. In Key West, Florida, oh yeah, where it's Gay Pride 24-7-365. People are in flight. Texas, Tennessee, parts unknown. They're leaving. They're leaving. And I'm trying to say, no, 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 no. Improve, don't move. Improve, don't move. For many, Staten Island was the last step. Staten Island, they would go no further. In fact, they'd end up dying in Staten Island and being buried there. And you know what happened earlier on Saturday? With a full schedule and concerned about my wife, uh, Nancy, who's been having some medical issues of late, but working real hard, working real hard. I was at the Albanian Parade, Broadway, Billy. It started at 9 o'clock in the morning, 44th and 6th. But I was there with the Guardian Angels because, hey, the Albanian people, good. A lot of good Republicans. A lot of them have migrated out to Staten Island, all throughout the Bronx Morris Park, and yes, Yonkers, and up throughout Westchester. And it was great. It was absolutely a great turnout. Very, very festive. A lot of WABC listeners, a lot of Republicans. Oh, a lot of Republicans. So I came back here to WABC to join Left versus Right, Anthony Weiner, who was sitting shiver for the loss of his father, Max who had been an attorney, who had been struggling of late. And, uh, you know, it was like 157. And all of a sudden I get a text from Frank Morano, the Mama Luke. Hey, if you want to come to the barbecue today, you could drop by. Like, hey, schmuck, putz, you pisher, you smendrick. It's 157 in the afternoon. You know I'm on with Anthony Weiner 3 to 4. And what the hell am I supposed to do? Make the trek out to your barbecue in the South Shore? By the way, Broadway Billy, were you invited? Uh, I know your friend Joe Causey was of WCBS-FM. No? No, you weren't? What, what, your complexion was not your protection out there? In Tottenville? Hell no. In, in Tottenville, the South Shore? Oh, man, Joe Causey's out there, but not you. Hell no. And what about you, Avery? I mean, hell no. What? Hell no. No invitation? Hell no. I mean, there were so many people invited from WABC, half of them saying, hell no, I ain't going out there. Last year, it was like, what, one little slice of pizza, you know, bottled water, and that was it? No, 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 we ain't going there. Remember his own uh, board operator, Matt Blaze, who sounds like a uh, fugitive from the law with his multiple aliases. He said he wasn't going. And Hell no. And Frank was trying to lure, you know, Ken, that runway model that I think he's having a midlife uh, crisis with because he's all for toots about him. 
I don't know if he went. But I got to say, I don't understand this. Avery is always at the ready. Whenever Ken gets lost, which he often does, crossing over that bridge, you know, from eastern Pennsylvania, home of the former heavyweight champion Larry Holmes, right into Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Uh, half the time he takes the wrong turn into Pennsylvania instead of up to New York City. What a gabon, right? And he's a runway model, too. You know, he must have a stick up his posterior because he's always bouncing up and down. Just like those runway models. Nobody walks like that. I but, came out of the closet recently. Yeah, yeah. And just in time for pride. My God. Second year in a row, Avery not invited. He wouldn't be invited if he were delivering Domino pizzas. They basically tell him, stay off the property line. Don't come in and... Uh, Imagine this, Broadway, Billy, you and Joe Causeway, you've been like two peas in a pod, like a soup in a sandwich, like a horse in a carriage at WCBS-FM, and you're not even invited. Hell no. Man, what is it? What is it with this guy out there? One fifty-seven in the afternoon, I get a text. Hey, if you wanted to come by, and then he gave the address. Like, I didn't know where he lived. You know, I used to be welcome out there. I told him I'd bring food, man. I told him I'd help out. Yeah, damn right. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. Wow, he, he invited people he didn't even know. He invited people that he knew like 20, 30 years ago who got fired from WABC because they were the worst in talk radio. And we got nothing but at 157 in the afternoon on a Saturday with so much to do. Hey, if you wanted to come by, you know why he did that? This way he can say, well, I invited Curtis. But I guess he was too busy. Yeah, that was a, that, that was that was a strategic invite. Oh, strategic invite. And um, you know, I uh, I, and I, I you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Frank. I said I won't even get that. Yeah, he's scared. I'll get the Uber. Oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. The he's not, Uber. He's not gonna give me even that that little small window. No, he didn't want us to see all the people that were there. All those deadbeat politicians out there who are doing absolutely jack diddly squat nothing. The crime out there is skyrocketing. My phone was like blowing up today. I was ready to call John Katsimatidis and Marco Katsimatidis who were at the ferry hall came and said, abandon ship. Get the hell out of here. Crime is skyrocketing all over Staten Island. North Shore, Mid-Island, South Shore, every precinct. It's got the most crime of any borough in the city now. And where do you think most of those deadbeat politicians were? They were in the basement of Frank Morano. And what were they doing? They were playing ping pong. Oh, my God. One, one ping pong table in the basement, right? Yeah, they were watching. Right. 30, 40 people there. Half of them elected officials not doing their job. And what are they doing? They're playing ping pong. And ping pong is cold for something else. Yeah, you're damn right. Let's go play ping pong at Frank's house. That's right. You know they were betting heavy on that, wagering heavy. Where's the DA? Yeah. You should have been busting him. Hey, we made sure you got that building contract. It's time to go back to Frank and play ping pong. That's right. Oh, you <laughs> figured that out, Avery. Time for another ping pong match. That's right. With, the, big, with the, 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 the guy who's in charge of buildings, right? The commissioner of buildings, who's Jimmy Otto, the former borough president, formerly a Republican conservative, now an Eric Adams Republican. Anything you want, Eric. It's, it's going to cost you at least five games, of, five games of ping pong. Oh, my God. To get, to get that contract. What the hell is this? 
157 in the afternoon on the channel. Oh, if you if you wanted to come by. Yeah. Yeah, like you couldn't have sent that like uh, a week ago, a month yeah. ago. New shopping mall going up. That's going to cost you seven, seven <laughs> games of ping pong. You want to do the drywall for that? That's going to cost you at least eight games of ping pong. That's right. Oh, we're serving lettuce sandwiches, scattered sandwiches. Where yeah. th- these are the payoffs here. Yeah, tell, tell Frank. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll play at his house. God. Uh, 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 Yours truly, the uh, Frankster. Yeah, the Franks. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is, like, ridiculous. This is ridiculous. It's hard to believe. And they're all having a good old time. They're having a barbecue, you know. They're drinking flat beer. Salsa Duquesa, you know. Oh, my God. Look at this. Murders on Staten Island this year have skyrocketed 125%. Were they stepping over bodies there? Rape up 60%. Robberies, 42%. 33% burglaries. Well, that's one thing. They wouldn't have been burglared because everybody was in the house there, but you never know. Some kleptomaniacs. Felony assaults, 30%. Frank is immune. Frank's neighborhood is immune to all that. Oh, no. Even his neighborhood. No minorities get in that neighborhood. Oh, my God. Nobody gets in that neighborhood. You would think, right, way out there in the South Shore, you know, Tottenville. Let me see. That's that's 123rd Precinct. Crime is up 18% in McWhitey Whitey Land. Horrible. What the hell are these elected officials doing? They're playing ping pong in the basement of Frank Morano's house. Oh, my God. That's a killer tournament. Oh, killer tournament. It's the way they push money across the ping pong table. Ping pong table. Bribery central. The the paddles, both the paddles are on the table. So here it is. (laughs) Here it is. A veteran defense attorney from Staten Island says, I've never had more work in my life. I was thinking of moving to Florida, but there's so many criminals out here that, hey, I'm actually starting to make money. He said it's because of the fentanyl scourge, homelessness, and, quote, an influx of out-of-county individuals. Yeah, blaming it on everybody from New Jersey and Brooklyn, right? (laughs) Like they don't got their own criminals. Like their stuff don't stink. It makes zero sense at all. And they got a DA out there, Mike Winkman, right? You would think, why is this guy a DA if crime is the worst that it's ever been in Staten Island? Never been worse. Do you know the Republicans are not even running a guy against him? Uh, how, how, could you, how could you? Tremendous. Yeah, he's tremendous, right? What is he not busting your ping pong games, running a raid? That's right. Hey, hey, uh, hey, you're going to run a candidate against that uh, ambulance chaser, Mike McMahon, the former congressman, right? Frank, don't get an envelope. You're not getting invited to that game. Damn right. You're not getting invited to that game. Oh, I'm blowing that up because, remember, I got 75% of the vote out there against Eric Adams. I would have been mayor of Staten Island. It take an envelope just to get in that basement. You think all this crime would have happened if I was out in Staten Island? Hell no. By the way, the, the bro president, Vito Fisella, is here. More WABC with John Katsimatidis at the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion than he ever is out in Staten Island. What the hell is going on out there? I use my right hand for a great deal. Yeah, I know what you use your right hand for, pal. And it ain't playing ping pong. 
How do you like this? One fifty-seven in the afternoon on a Saturday. Busy as all hell. If you wanted to come by to the barbecue, you could. Oh, thank you. Excuse me. You should have said, I got, I got Avery with me. <laughs> He'll be like, cancel that. <laughs> Delay that. I'm coming out there with Broadway Bill Lee and Avery. <laughs> He goes, wait a second. Wait a second. You know, one black guy yeah. is enough, but now two black guys? Yeah. My neighbors are going to burn down my house. The barbecue just ended. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of barbecue sauce. This is this is absolutely mind-bending. You know, for, for a borough, only 500,000 people. It's got more crime per capita now than any other borough. This is unbelievable. No, I am not going to be talking about horse racing ever again with all the deaths of the thoroughbreds, not only uh, during the Triple Crown at Churchill Downs in Kentucky. Firstly, they've actually closed Churchill Downs. Twelve died in two weeks. A ton of of horses have died in the racetracks in California. They claim, oh, we got to do a deep dive investigation. You don't have to do an investigation. You're juicing up the horses, the trainers, the owners, because they're so greedy. <laughs> Meantime, these horses are dropping dead right on the track, breaking their legs. And then they got the ambulance that follows the horse with the wench. Then they cover up the horse. They shoot him up. They euthanize him and they drag him in the back of the ambulance and take him away and say, okay. Next horse to be juiced. You think I really care who won the third leg of the Belmont Stakes of the Triple Ground? The answer is no. For the very first time, I didn't do predictions. I'm never going to a horse race again. I'm not going to the trotter tracks in Yonkers. I'm not going to the trotter tracks out in the Meadowlands. No way. But I would have gone to the barbecue if I had been invited. Except the invitation came in a text at one fifty-seven in the afternoon. He knew your cutoff. <laughs> One hour before I'm on the air. He knew your cutoff point. <laughs> Anthony Weeder. So you see, he could then say, oh, no, I invited yeah. Curtis. He was sitting there staring at his watch before yeah. he sent that text. <laughs> wait, wait for it. Wait for it. All right, send it now. <laughs> Curtis, if you want to come by, you can come by if you want. This is I mean, I really got to do this big time. I cannot. You know what? It's time I take over Staten Island. Irene, it's really time. All these slackers and deadbeats out there. They're partying. They're having barbecues. Crime is skyrocketing in Staten Island. I'm texting John and Margo. Hey, get out of Ferry Hawk Stadium quick. There's probably going to be a drive-by shooting. Look at this. I've never seen this before in my life. You know, when organized crime, Italian organized crime was, I mean, thick. Still is bad in Staten Island, but nowhere what it used to be. You used to be able to swing a dead cat around your head, and every fifth guy you'd hit out there was a member of Italian organized crime. The Lucchese's, Colombo's, Bananos, Gambino's, Genovese. Uh-oh, I'm going to be in trouble by saying that, right? Swinging a dead cat around my head. But you know what I'm talking about. What? How, the, how could these people be partying? They're never on Staten Island. They're all in all the place. Hey, Lee, get a job hanging wallpaper if you can't deal with this. So I am making an announcement right here, right now, right? Because you know me. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm doing it. I'm bringing Guardian. Oh, what happened? Oh, oh, I got cut off here. Oh, 
through osmosis, right? Watch. Watch the windows, man. Yo, Avery, check downstairs. See what's circulating down there. You never know. You never know. But anyway, uh, I will be bringing guardian angels out to Staten Island. The cops, they don't have enough cops. They don't have enough cops. What the hell is going on out there? I mean, I can't believe how bad it's gotten in just one year with the so-called law and order mayor, Eric Adams. Oh, all these Republicans. Yeah, we're, we're Eric Adams Republicans. Look at how bad it's gotten. My God. And then they got a, an ambulance chaser. Mike McMahon in the paper today saying, I can't do anything. It's all because of Albany. Well, then get out of the way, pal. You know what I'm going to do, Broadway Billy? I'm picking up the phone and calling my very dear friend, Dan Donovan, who was the greatest DA of all time in Staten Island. Wouldn't take bribes. I remember there was a guy named Molinaro who said to Dan, hey, you got to fix this case against my nephew. And Dan Donovan's, no way, Molinaro, no way. And they put a pox on him. I'm going to ask him to come out of retirement, and I'm going to ask him to run for the district attorney again. The greatest district attorney to ever serve out in Staten Island. So at least we got competition. And then you go to the North Shore, and they got some woman named Camelia Hanks. And she's not being challenged by a Republican. And you say, wait a wait a second, who is this Camelia Hanks? She wrote a paper in city council advocating that they eliminate 1,725 cops. And that they cap all the prisoners in the city to 3,500. She might as well be a socialist. Yo, yo, no, 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 no. This ain't happening out there. Yo, I got 75% of the vote there against Eric Adams. I have a fiduciary responsibility to try to help Staten Island. Before everybody leaves there, before there is for sale signs everywhere on the island. By the way, you think they're still having that barbecue, uh, Avery? You think that barbecue is still going on there at Shea Murano? Oh, yeah. It's just, starting to get, it's just starting to move into the house and get intimate. One fifty-seven in the afternoon if you wanted to come by. That's the secret about those barbecues. You got to stay. Oh. Like, it, it gets better and better as the night goes. With every, how, everybody filters off. Uh, let's take some bets here. <laughs> how, how many black people do we think were at that barbecue? I put the over under at zero. <laughs> Uh, uh, Bill Lee, do you concur? Uh, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, yeah, okay. Oh, my God. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Never again will I ever go to a horse race. Will I ever comment on horse racing or try to track racing? I'll never again give you choices for Churchill Downs and Kentucky Derby. The... No, no Pimlico action, and certainly none. The last leg of the Triple Crown, which took place earlier today at Belmont State. Never again. I am going to be leading the effort to ban horse racing. Uh, What do you mean, who won, Broadway Billy? You ain't getting it from me. I used to be do the predictions. I used to play the highlights. Never again. They're juicing these horses up because they're cheating. And these beautiful animals are dying as we speak. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-A-STAT-9-1. I'm not finished with you yet. 1-800-848-WABC. Over. It's another.
other side of midnight. Wow, now, about time. A lot of clutter there. A lot of clutter there, Broadway Billies. I mean, I have 52 promos. Ladies and gentlemen, 157 on Saturday, an hour before I had to come on the air with Anthony Weiner. Sitting shiver, he lost his father, Max. And it says, oh, Curtis, if you want to come to the barbecue today, feel free to drop by. 157. Meantime, they're all at the barbecue, all the politicians, right? Democrats and Republicans. Headline today, front page, New York Post. New York City's smallest borough, Staten Island, has big law and order problem. Pete Davidson, right, of Saturday Night Live, who used to be the king of Staten Island, made the movie. You know what he's saying, Avery? Somebody stole the Staten Island ferry that he bought. <laughs> Stolen in its birth in Staten Island. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Uh, and then uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, we'll talk about him later. It appears that they're now saying the feds that he did a Jeffrey Epstein to himself at the age of 81. Get out of here. It's another one they claim hung himself with a bed sheet. Unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Brian in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brian. Hey Curtis, yeah, I just I I, used, I called you a couple of times, but I I used to work at Belmont in the track, and uh, you know what? Another horse broke down today. Uh, I think Fletcher's the one the favorite might have uh, broke down in the last Oh wow! See, I and I, I, I wanted, paid I paid no attention to the race. Uh, you, I, I refused to. But you you think another horse broke down and they had to use an ice? Yeah, I I I was I got fired from the place. I'm not going to go into details, yeah. but um, and it was a big part of my life because I loved uh, the horses and the racing, not the racing so much when I found out what it was about. But um, I used to work out there as a security, a peace officer. I won't go into too much detail. I called you once before, but um, I did hear a horse did break down, and uh, I think it was a, it might have been the favorite of the, or the other one. And uh, I just want to say one thing. The people, the trainers, do take good care of their work. Wow, wait a second. Let me, let me, I just Googled it. Let me give the update. A horse died Saturday when it was euthanized due to injuries suffered in the final race at Belmont Park. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, God. What is it? What are they doing? What the hell are they doing? These horses are dying like every day. Curtis? Yeah, yeah. You know what it is? They're too young. They're too young. They develop, even, I talk to trainers. I worked, I used to talk to the trainers. And they, they, their bones aren't developed. It's like, it's like a 10 year old getting into the NFL. They develop them too young because they want to make the money. They don't want to wait. They should wait when they're four or five. Uh, they got to, they got to, I, I got to tell you something. They got to, they got to suspend all racing. That's it. They got to suspend all racing. Here's the headline. Oh, God. Horse euthanized after suffering injury in final race of the day at Belmont Park. A horse died Saturday when it was euthanized due to injuries suffered in the final race. 
Wow. They talk about the uh, winner. I'm not even going to mention the name of the Belmont Stakes. Third leg of the Triple Crown. Excursionista was euthanized. His horse died on race day. That means at least one horse died on race day at each of the three legs of the Triple Crown. That's it. Ban horse racing. Ban horse racing. You cannot tell me that this is natural, that, hey, Curtis, you're over. No, no, no. Look, I've been listening to the critics for years. I've been protecting the industry. Can't do it anymore. This is horrific. These horses, they break their leg. Oh, it's a horrible death. I I was able to see it one time because I was high up in Saratoga and I was able to peer over the blinds that they put around the horse. They euthanize it and then they, with a wench, they drag it into the back of the ambulance. Horrible. What the hell are they doing? Just like they suspended racing at Churchill Downs in Kentucky, and horses and Kentucky are synonymous to bluegrass state. They got to do it. You got to stop this. You got to stop this. You know they're juicing these horses. You know that. There's no, no other way to describe it. Let's go to Louie in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Louie. Yes, Curtis, uh, a question. Um, say you are... In your backyard, and you, a neighbor sees you whipping your dog, and they call the police. You'd probably get arrested for animal abuse. So why is it acceptable to whip a horse? Because there's money on it, big money. Good point. And you're not gonna. As much as I'd love to see it banned, it's not gonna happen. There's too much money to be made. Well, you know, uh, they may. I, I would suggest. Suspend it for a year. Don't let him race at all. Let him feel the fiscal pain. Let him feel the fiscal pain and understand that if this 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 so-called sport is to be renewed, they better get their act together and stop juicing up these horses. I mean, you do have a chance. They did ban uh, dog racing in Florida with the greyhounds. Yes. I mean, because that was the most horrific sport. Yeah. I mean, these animals are tossed to the side you know, when they couldn't run anymore. Oh. Yeah, no, you're right. Boy, it is it is a sad occasion. When when I when I saw the guy's call say that another horse had to be euthanized at the yeah, track I, today I, at Belmont. I have not heard that. Yeah, it was it was it was that. the last race. It it followed the yeah. uh the triple crown race. But imagine even taking precautions, right? You know they're taking precautions because they don't want the the sport banned. And they can't even prevent a horse from dying today. So that meant a horse died at Churchill Downs, Kentucky, uh, in one of the yeah. races, in Pimlico, in one of the races, and in uh, Belmont Stakes, in one of the races. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Curtis, I believe that the top tier horses get excellent care, veterinary care, the whole nine. It's the other horses that, you know, guy guy buys a horse for 10 grand. And, you know, he's just looking to win a purse. He's going to do anything he can to make that horse perform. He doesn't give a crap if it drops dead in three years. 
It's starting to look like that. You know, I would have argued with you four years ago, three years ago, but I'm telling you, Lou, it's starting to look like that. I mean, we're talking dozens and dozens of thoroughbreds now that are dropping dead in tracks all over the country, all over the country. Yeah, and yeah, Curtis, you nailed it because you look at them, their legs are spindly. You look at a Mustang that, you know, roams free out west, and you look at their legs. I mean, they have legs to take shock. These horses do not. They've been bred from the top up and no concern for the fragility of their legs. Yeah, it's like piano legs. Piano yeah, legs. I mean, yeah. You know, I, 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 live, I live a stone's throw from Belmont Park, five blocks away. And I actually went there as a teenager to try and get a job as a, you know, a stable, you know, shoveling the, the hay and the crap and everything. And I'll tell you what. I was scared to death of these things. They are huge. Yes, they are. They are. They're magnificent animals. But but there's oh, just too, too much weight on little tiny piano legs. It, 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 it's I not agree. natural. It's not natural. And they're probably roiding these horses up to try to give them that edge. You know, and, and just like with athletes, human athletes, uh, the science is always ahead of the testing. Yeah, but you know, I think, like I said, I think the top tier horses because they're the uh, the owners and trainers are under such a scrutiny where they get tested all the time. I don't think they're going for that. But like I say, the bottom tier horses, I don't think there's as much testing. You know, if a horse wins a race, does it get tested? No. Well, I will tell you this, Lou. I I hear the concerns now. People have been calling up warning me about this for years and I was I had deaf I was deaf to this. You can't be deaf to it anymore. Suspend all horse racing for the full year until you could guarantee that there's going to be standards put into place so that these magnificent animals have a chance to survive instead of being just shot up with drugs so that they can bring in a winner for some greedy bastards out there, you know, who are betting on these horses, who are owning these horses, who are training these horses, and who are taking side bets on these horses. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
Staten Island used to be paradise. I remember when I was a kid, the flight across the Verrazano Bridge, what we called the Guinea Gangplank. Half of my family went out of there, out there to, from Brooklyn, and so did many of yours. And it was paradise. Before that, Dutch reformed. It didn't even look like any part of New York City. And then the flood across the bridge. And it truly was. Look at the headline of today's New York Post, ladies and gentlemen. New York City's smallest borough, Staten Island, has the biggest law and order problem in all of New York City that's falling into the abyss. And where were all these uh, elected officials, Democrats and Republicans? They were at Frank Morano's barbecue. And they were playing uh, ping pong in his basement. While there's an emergency situation going in. South Shore, Mid-Island, North Shore, crime skyrocketing. And they got a DA out there who's had... Nobody running against them. An ambulance chaser, Mike McMahon. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. How could you not have anybody running against them? Crime has never been higher. You got to be kidding. And you know, I'm coming out. I'm going to try to convince the, the greatest DA Staten Island has ever had, Dan Donovan, to run again. I got a Ronald Reagan Republican club out there now, opened it up three weeks ago, hoping I can convince him, but it's very late in the action. We may have to have a write-in. A write How do you not have a competitive race? And all I'm reading in the post is this guy is blaming, oh, it's Albany. It's a- do your freaking job. God, it reminds me of the Bronx there. You got a Darcel Clark who is the absolute, she's the female version of Alvin Bragg. It's crime central. And the Democrats have nobody running against them. And now we see that the Democrat running against her in the primary, this DA candidate, Tess Cohen, her history is she defends sex predators. And I said, who's running? Who's the Republican law and order candidate? There is none. Because the GOP county chairman out there, Mike Rendino, he doesn't want one. They're destroying our city. These DAs, they're destroying our city. And the Republican Party should be the party that says enough is enough. I'll give you an example. This past week, the hero Marine from West Islip, Penny, was testifying before the grand jury. We're not sure of what he said, because obviously they're impaneled by Alvin Bragg. But do you know who's representing him? Thomas Kniff. Thomas Kniff, in the last election cycle, was the Republican from the Manhattan GOP running against Alvin Bragg. A great attorney. The guy, his law firm, is representing the hero Marine, Penny. So the Manhattan GOP said, we got to challenge Alvin Bragg. And they came up with a great candidate. Now, he lost. But at least the voters had a choice. In Staten Island, they have no choice. This is incredible. Did you realize this, ladies and gentlemen? Look at this unbelievable murder up 125%. 
Rape, 60%. Robberies, 42%. Burglaries, 33%. Felony assaults, 30%. Car theft through the roof. Catalytic converters. I'm, I wonder if anybody has a catalytic converter any longer in Staten Island. And what are they blaming on? They blame it on an influx of out-of-county individuals. You think it's only that, ladies and gentlemen, or do you think you don't have enough cops? You don't. You don't have enough cops. I've been to all the precincts out there. The 120th precinct, crime is up 40%. That's right there on Bay Street. The 122nd precinct, 49% spike. (sighs) Including a 121% rise in felony assaults. Even... The sleepy 123rd precinct out in the South Shore, 18% up. I'm not, I'm not going to just sit here. I owe it to the people of Staten Island. They gave me the plurality of the vote, 75% to 25% against Eric Adams. I got to get guardian angels out there. I, I have to. I have no choice. I got to get a candidate to run against this gold brick. Mike McMahon complaining, oh, Albany has has me handcuffed. You got no competition. The Republicans won't put up anybody against you. And I'll try to convince the greatest Staten Island district attorney of all time, Dan Donovan, to run against him or come up with a write-in candidate. Likewise, have to do the same in the Bronx. You imagine this? The two candidates you have to choose from, both Democrats, Darcel Clark is the female Alvin Bragg, and her competition in the primary, Tess Cohen, defends sex predators, and the GOP chairman there, friend of the criminals, says all NYPD police unions support Darcel Clark. She has been an asset to the Bronx. That's why she's facing a primary from the left. Oh, how come you're not running a candidate against her? So next time, when you decide to pack your bags and leave, understand that a lot of Republicans are not running candidates against these crooked, turn them loose DAs who are friends of the criminal. And I will make sure that stops. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
The Love Boat. Oh, how many people used to sit at home and watch The Love Boat, that series, which was set on that luxury passenger cruise ship. What was the name of it, ladies and gentlemen? I forget the name of that cruise ship. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I wonder if that was birthed near the old Standard Oil uh, complex in Bayonne, the gateway to the world where a lot of ocean liners come in, or Red Hook. I wonder. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. But speaking of the love boat, I mean, I didn't see that many episodes. I think I remember, what was it, Fred Grandy? Remember Fred Grandy? I think he went on to become a congressman in Iowa. There was Gavin McLeod. Gee, I'm trying to remember that. Yeah, a brother there, right? There was a brother on there. What was that, Ted? Ted something. Forget his name. No, no, not Ted Knight. Ted Knight was about as white as you could get. Broadway Bill Lee. What are you... What are, you, what are your eyes bleached? Oh my God! What are you white out? <laughs> oh, Ted Ted Lang. Oh man. Yeah, uh, that's the brother from another. Uh, yeah, Isaac, Isaac. But anyway, the reason I'm playing the Love Boat theme is I, I got to continue. This, this is how bad it is in Staten Island. Uh, what did they make that movie, The King of Staten Island, about Pete Davidson? Remember on the Mameluke, he lived in the basement of his mother. Then all of a sudden, he moved to a condo on the North Shore there overlooking the harbor. Then he decided, I'm out of here. I'm going to Brooklyn Heights. I am overlooking the East River, looking at the skyscrapers of Manhattan. And then he decided to pick up, go out to Beverly Hills with all the Trendoids, Freakasoids, Jet Setters, and got into a car crash. God only knows what's going to happen to him now. But now... He came back to Staten Island. You know, he got suckered into buying one of the old Staten Island ferries for $280,000. Avery, it's gone. He says it's gone. Somebody stole the Staten Island ferry. Either that or they sunk it. There's nothing safe in Staten Island anymore. They stole the freaking ferry that he paid $280,000 for. Oh, my God. Is it going to get any worse? Oh, maybe the, maybe the DA out there could do an investigation at that gold brick ambulance chaser. Anyway, uh, Pete Davidson uh, admitted that he doesn't have a clue where it might be. He said, look, we bought this uh, ferry for 280000 last year. We were going to upgrade it. We were going to turn it into a live entertainment extravaganza space with comedy, music, art. I came back from Beverly Hills to where we last left the Staten Island Ferry, and it's it's gone. It's stolen. Like a car that's stolen that you park outside of wall bombs in a parking lot, and somebody hot wires it, and it's gone. And he says, well, if it's not stolen, it probably sunk because I've been sinking money into this sieve. And all they keep doing is sending me bills for more money, more money, more money, more money. He's named it the Titanic 2. Oh, God. What the hell is going on out there? <laughs> Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
Let's go to Sal, patiently waiting on Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Salvatore. Hey, Curtis, my buddy. I hope you're doing well. You sound great as usual. Listen, I just want to give you a couple of updates. It was the Pacific Princess was the ocean liner on the love boat. Good. And also, um, you forgot about Lauren Tweez, Julie McCoy, your uh, cruise director. She had to leave halfway through because of cocaine, but she did straighten out, thank God. Also, uh, Frank Morano, Pinocchio Frank, he's the uh, Bacchitaculo of the Mafia on the South Shore. He's playing with fire, and I'm sure he'll be burned one of these days. Also, the fact is, the one, two, three, at the height of the crack epidemic, Curtis, there was a crack house going 24-7 directly across the street from the 123 precinct, mm. worst cop money can buy, on Main Street in Tottenville. The 122 is sleep with the switch. So are the 120. And the 121, if you've seen the building over on Forest Avenue by where Richmond Avenue becomes uh, Morningstar Road, it resembles a 9-millimeter Glock gun aimed right at you. And they are looking the other way. As for Donovan, Dildo Donovan, he didn't do anything great, Curtis. He had more than a few years as ADA, DDA with uh, the Manhattan District Attorney for years, uh, Morgan Thor. And uh, he had 13 years in Staten Island District Attorney's Office, and it was on his watch that Starshaw Staten Island became the cocaine hashish heroin and opiates prescription pain pill distribution and overdose center of the world, laced with fentanyl from communist China, courtesy of um, brainless Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. And by the way, by the way, Staten Island has more American veterans than any area in the city per capita, and yet there is not a single federal VA full-service hospital on Staten Island. Creep uh, Clinton closed up the Bailey Seaton U.S. Uh, Marine U.S. Public Health U.S. Naval. Your father used to go there for treatment because it took American Merchant Marines, but they weren't given full VA benefits till 1988, 45 years after they were injured. God that, that's so. true, Sal. I must tell you, having gone with him to Bay Street, the old Merchant Mariner Hospital, now it's a state psychiatric facility empty. Empty. When we were there last, uh, empty. My father had already passed on, so I figured I'd pass by there, walk around on the grounds. I think I saw like four or five patients. I went there with Nancy just to show her where I used to come as a kid with my dad when he needed treatment for his leg. He had that Mickey Mantle kind of injury with his knee. And there were like four or five psychiatric patients just roaming the grounds, empty. These psychiatric hospitals should be filled to the brim with all the emotionally disturbed persons that we have living in parks, living in streets, living in the subways. It's a it, it's a real Shonda, a real Shonda. Let's go to Mira, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mira. Hi, Curtis. Yes, Mira. Well, Curtis, I wanted to say that, of course, I'm coming from the Ed Sheeran concert that was awesome, but... The first channel that I put on on my in my car is 7:70 a.m. Thank so, you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and I heard that you wanted to know the name of the ship in the love boat. It is the Pacific Princess. Thank you, thank you. Yep, yep, yeah. That 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 coincides with what Sal on the South Shore is telling us. Okay, thumbs up. 
Great. And I only have one other follow-up. That following that other uh that other caller is going to be tough. But I do have a question. Weren't the asylums in New York shut down by Bloomberg? Uh, Isn't it suffice no. it? No. It's, it, see, these are state facilities, state psychiatric mm. facilities. So when Andrew Evilize Cuomo was first elected governor, he began a cost cut. There were 30,000 beds available for psychiatric patients in state hospitals. There are now 3,000. So uh, through most of his governorship, he eliminated 27,000 beds. Now, you start adding up all those people who were cut loose who might have gone home or might have gone to a relative's home, and obviously they couldn't manage them because they wouldn't take their medication or they were too severely uh, bipolar disorder or schizophrenic, and they're out in the streets, they're out in the subways, they're out in the parks, and the the state and the city have done nothing to retrieve them and bring, bring them back to those psychiatric hospitals. Interesting and very sad, Curtis. Extraordinarily sad. Extraordinarily sad. I would also like to know, Curtis, why isn't anyone going after Shirlene McRae and de Blasio? Oh. I I would have thought that we would need to go back to Bloomberg in order to get de Blasio. But now that you're telling me that it is uh, a different scenario with what de Blasio's um, uh, interaction with the asylums were, I think... Why isn't anyone going after Shirlene McRae, the money, the money that is needed to rectify this problem? Absolutely, Mira. Uh, uh, At the time when uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope, had two terms, he set up this special fund with uh, the support of Democrats called Thrive, that fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi program that has not treated one emotionally disturbed person he installed his wife uh, to to the head of it, Charlene McRae, $1.5 billion that supposedly was spent on nothing. And you know, Mira, it is either in a bank account in their name in Panama, the Cayman Islands, Antigua, or Switzerland. There's no doubt about it. There's not one person who ever came forward and said, you know, I was in a mental health crisis. Thank God for Thrive. They really got me through a very difficult time. Have you ever heard anyone ever praise Thrive for helping them in their time of mental health needs? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Thrive has never been brought up in uh, as a highlight in the situation. So. And, you, and you see, because it's a one-party state now, the Democrats control the state controller, Tom DiNapoli, he could subpoena those records. He won't. He's a Democrat. Likewise, Lander, who is the controller of the city, he could subpoena the records. He won't. Tish James, the attorney general of the state, she'll subpoena anything with Trump's name on it, but she won't uh, subpoena any of the de Blasio records. City council could do it. So many elected officials who are the heads of state legislative committees could do that and investigate that, but they won't investigate their mm-hmm. own mirror. Can I ask you then, Curtis, what can the listeners do? We hear this all the time. I think the only thing that's missing is someone directly telling us what exactly needs to be done, and then we approach it exactly in that manner. I think it's the missing link. There are all these agencies that are supposed to be equipped to deal with this. And we, the people, are still just sitting here 
listening to radio stations for appeasement, and we're not getting it. You're absolutely right, but Mira, Mira, you see, unfortunately, uh, we have some of our listeners who have been brainwashed in terms Mm -hmm. of trusting politicians. At the start of my program, it says, Curtis Lee is a politician, which I am. I ran for office. Uh, But he says, don't trust any politician, which I Mm -hmm. say. uh, I use the old uh, Ronald Reagan statement, except I do it in reverse. They must verify themselves, and then we'll trust them. Uh, Reagan said when he was president, trust and then verify. No, no, no. I don't trust. Uh, I want to verify first, then I'll trust you. And this way, we don't all of a sudden look to the Republicans to be the answer because they'll screw you too. They'll screw you too. Mm. What were they doing today? Today, they're in the basement of Frank Morano. They're, 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 they're playing ping pong, the Democrats and Republicans. They're at his uh, annual uh, uh, barbecue. And crime is skyrocketing like I've never seen it before in Staten Island. It should be all hands on deck. Yeah. They're not doing anything. Hmm. You see, would... you see, we cannot trust any of them, any of them. Right. We They have to be accountable for everything. Don't give us a press conference. Don't give us a press release. Just do your freaking jobs. Absolutely, Curtis. Absolutely. And if you notice, Mira, say... Mira, whenever they have a press conference, they have an army behind them, right? You know, they got like Absolutely. 20 people. I'm saying, shouldn't these people be working? We're in the middle of an emergency. What are they doing at a press conference to serve as sort of background for you? They all look like they're zombies. Like, hey, God forbid, if you were to call on them to explain anything, they wouldn't be able to do it. Do your freaking job. No press conferences. Get the job done. 100%. Curtis, we, the listeners, need to be reaching out then to every ear we can get. And we need to be spreading the, the information, yes. the information that you passed on today. We need to be passing that on. I think we need to be getting into the younger minds because I know this station, I know the, the listenership of this station. We need to reach the younger minds. That is the only hope then. If we are to change the type of politicians going forward, then we need to get the younger minds involved. Exactly. By the way, how was the concert tonight? Awesome. Awesome. That guy has so much energy, so much and so talented. Did he do his classic? Did he do his classic song, Bad Habits? Yes. Yes. And I think we got that song twice tonight. There was an issue with his um, some of his machinery. And I think we got that song twice tonight. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Ed Sheeran is an amazing talent. And the video that he did with this song. Bad Habits was absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. And that's a guy also who's acknowledged having a lot of mental health issues. Oh, yes. He's been bipolar. He's had some schizophrenia. He's had to struggle. But he is an amazing talent, Mira. Yes, he is. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Curtis, can I give two shout outs before I leave? Of course. Thank you so much. First, I would absolutely like to thank my husband, Frank Automano, for treating me to this wonderful concert tonight. Um, I appreciated it so much. I really enjoyed it. It was wonderful. And he was with me, and we, we enjoyed it a lot. And secondly, 
I want to wish you and your wife, Nancy, a happy anniversary, Curtis. Thank you. I've been following you guys for a while, and you guys are great. I wish you many more. Thank you, Mira. Thank you. And uh, uh, lucky you didn't stop off at the barbecue of Frank Morano with all those gold brick politicians there playing ping pong, drinking beer, and doing nothing. Nothing. Ed Sheeran, I'm telling you. My wife introduced me to the video he did with his bad habits. Absolutely incredible. Incredible. But we got to get back to work. You know, my wife's had a tough time of late medically. She struggled. But I got to tell you, when she she saw all these magnificent thoroughbreds dying at tracks across America, she said, Curtis, don't break my heart. Don't be doing any race predictions. Don't be going to any tracks any longer. Don't be don't be subsidizing. Don't be supporting this sport that has led of late to so many horses dying and having to be euthanized right on the track in front of everybody. And you know what song they were playing when they euthanized one of these great, magnificent animals at Churchill Down right before the Kentucky Derby? They were playing Tupac Shakur's California. I mean, even Tupac Shakur would have said, what the hell are you playing my song for? The poor animal is writhing on the ground. People were crying in the stands. And the idiots, because it's just a money-making machine, those tracks, were playing Tupac Shakur's California. Never again, ladies and gentlemen, never again suspend the sport until they get their act together. Curtis Sliwa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Happened to Pete Davidson, Staten Island Ferry. 280,000. He returned from Beverly Hills. Somebody hotwired it, stole it, or it sunk right on down to Davy Jones's locker, or what I think. They floated it out to Bangladesh, where they got those chop shops for ships. You know, they, they pull out those uh, acetylene torches, carve it up. Sell it for scrap. And there's the king of Staten Island walking around the North Shore along Bay Street looking for the Staten Island ferry that he got ripped off on. That's so sad. Isn't it so sad? No. You deserve it, Pete Davidson, for abandoning ship. But speaking of ferries, I've had a chance to go back and forth to Staten Island of late. I, you know, I focus on the name of the ferries. I used to never really look at the name of the ferries. Uh, 
Let's see, the most recent ones, uh, Guy Molinari, I was on that, named after the great former Congressman Borough President, the, the mayor maker. He made Rudy uh, mayor and he made Bloomberg mayor, oh yeah, through his guidance. Volatile. Uh, JFK, they got the JFK one. And then the brand new one that they christened, the Dorothy Day. I was shocked to see that, Dorothy Day. First off, if you ever knew about Dorothy Day, I, I I was raised on Dorothy Day because in our household, my dad, he would always have the Catholic Worker newspaper, which was socialist to a T. I mean, she was an anarchist. She was a communist. She was a socialist. For a while, she was bohemian. She lived on Staten Island for a while. Uh, most importantly... In addition to starting the Catholic Worker newspaper, she had devised this concept that there was a third method of existence. Not just capitalism and socialism, but the Catholic economic theory of distribution. That means give everything away to everybody else. So I, I found it fascinating to see that they had christened a... Staten Island Ferry, a new ferry in her name. I know she lived out in Staten Island for a while, but wow. I got to tell you, uh, the reason that I thought it would never happen wasn't because she had been uh, a communist, flirted with that, an anarchist, and then a hardcore socialist. In fact, I remember my father gave me a copy of Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. That's my all-time favorite book, written by a socialist. Boy, if you've ever had a chance, it tells you about the meatpacking district uh, in Chicago and all the new immigrants who came up and the blacks from down south and how poorly treated they all were having to work in rendering plants, which was the most horrific place you could be. With everything left over from the slaughterhouse, the men and women who worked here smelled so bad they couldn't even take the trolley home at a walk home. It, it went right into the skin, the, your skin pores, the way it was described in that book, Magnificent. And Upton Sinclair was a hardcore socialist. I remember he actually supported, though, the war, the First World War, with socialists, with pacifists. Uh, they didn't believe uh, that uh, we should have been fighting in that war that Woodrow Wilson got us involved with. He did. He went on a run for governor of California twice, almost got elected. Uh, I got to tell you, I was I was raised on uh, Sololinsky, rules for radicals, socialism, communism, the Wobblies, IWW which my dad said was the most radical of all unions. But the reason I was su surprised that they named the ferry after Doris Day and uh, Dorothy Day, I really believe that they should have named the ferry after Dorothy Day, especially since she lived for a period of her life out in uh, Staten Island. She was pro-life. When I tell that to socialists nowadays, they're like, no, nah, you're lying. You're li I said, no. Oh, look, I'm not making this up. <laughs> Dorothy Day was pro-life. She was as pro-life as Mother Cabrini, as pro-life as Mother Teresa. You're lying. You're lying. You're making that up. No, I'm not making it up. Uh, 
the leader of the United Farm Workers Union, Cesar Chavez, who all the liberals loved. I mean, remember Martin Luther King Jr. went there, RFK went there, JFK. They all wanted to be seen working with Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers Union. He was anti-illegals. He didn't want illegals coming in because, hey, why would anybody then hire the workers he had organized who either had a green card or a work permit or were already citizens? No, no, no. That would that would multiply the workforce. The growers could then pay much lower salaries with none of the restrictions to make it safer for the workers. So he was opposed to illegal immigration, and he was pro-life. When I tell that to people, they say, you're making that up. Cesar Chavez, pro-life? I say, yeah, yeah, pro-life. I mean, obviously, that's not what you remembered him for. That's not what you remember Dorothy Day for, but you got to... You got to study the full complexity of a person. You can't always stereotype them. You can't always think that because their politics is one way, it's all the way. Who would have ever thought that Dorothy Day was pro-life? Who would have ever thought that Cesar Chavez of the United Farm Workers Union was pro-life? I didn't know that until I studied it. I'm not pro-life. I'm pro-choice. But I, I find that an amazing factor because if city officials knew that Dorothy Day was pro-life, they would never have allowed her name to be put on that Staten Island ferry. Never. Never. We're going to get into two great women who were prevented from being honored, not because they were Catholic, not because they were religious, but because they were pro-life, although it was never said that way. And one of the Mother Teresa, I'm going to mention at length because I was at the Albanian parade Saturday, 44th and 6th, started early. And the night before at the Riverside Church, Michael Mbaricic, Rudy Giuliani, was honored by the Albanian community at their annual dinner with the Mother Teresa Award, bathed in blue and white. Can you think of... Any better people that have ever existed on this plane than Dorothy Day, Mother Cabrini, and Mother Teresa? I can't. I really can't. But to be honest with you, do you really think the city of New York, if they had known that Dorothy Day was pro-life, do you think they would have allowed that Staten Island ferry that's in service now to be named after her? No way. No way. I'll make my case coming up on numbers 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. 
With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. Ship was the pride of the American Nobody can find Pete Davidson's Staten Island Ferry. Bamboozled for $280,000. He went out to Beverly Hills. Came back looking for it. It's not in its birth. It's either been uh, stolen, taken to a chop shop, where it's been chopped up for scrap in Bangladesh, probably Dhaka. Or it's sunk down to Davy Jones's locker. Or it's just been stolen. Ha! Like almost everything else now in Staten Island. And the guy is like moaning and groaning. Where's my ferry? I saw uh, the protest. People were outside the bar shouting about freedom, taunting the cops, chanting that they should arrest the governor. But it's Staten Island, so I assume that it was just like a typical last call. And are you against these protests? I mean, kind of, but I'm also just happy I'm no longer the first thing people think of when they say, what's the worst thing about Staten Island? Oh, yeah, Pete Davidson. You're no longer the king. You've been defrocked. That competition is between the Mameluke Frank Morano, who's still at his barbecue there in Staten Island, where all the gold brick politicians are playing ping pong in his basement. The Democrats and Republicans, while crime is skyrocketing in Staten Island, the headline in the New York Post is New York's smallest borough. Staten Island has the biggest law and order problem. And we can blame Frank Morano for distracting them away from what they should be doing. Yours truly, the Frankster. Which should be stopping the crime. Starting with that gold brick district attorney, Mike McMahon, who has no competition. Nobody's running against him because the Republicans don't want to run anybody against him. Even though crime is at an all-time high in Staten Island. You know, it's you scratch my belly, I scratch yours. It's a quid pro quo. And they're doing the same thing in the Bronx. Darcel Clark is the female version of Alvin Bragg. And her competitor, there's only one, in the uh, Democratic primary, is actually representing sex marauders. People who rape. And there's no Republican challenger. Because the GOP chairman there, Mike Grandino, said, Oh, Darcel Clark's doing a good job. What the hell are you talking about? Get rid of these guys. <sighs> Maybe they could go away like the Unabomber, find a shack somewhere in Montana, right? And just disappear. Disappear. And anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As Pete Davidson is somewhere on Bay Street. Somewhere in Stapleton at the home port looking for that ferry, Staten Island ferry he bought for $280,000 that's missing in action. Stolen. Meantime, we talked about Dorothy Day, which had that brand new uh, ferry named in her honor. Most people don't know who she is. I grew up uh, being taught about Dorothy Day. Socialist, communist at one point, anarchist, and uh, very influential because 
of the publication uh, she had, The Catholic Worker. But let's talk about the very person uh, whose uh, honor was in the name uh, yesterday at the annual uh, dinner, Albanian dinner at Riverside uh, Church on the west side. There were many awards that were given out last night. The big award was named in honor of the Albanian Mother Teresa. A greater person I don't think there ever was. You talk about selfless service. I met uh, not Mother Teresa in her life and times, but I met many of her nuns. Uh, in India, I met them when I was in, uh, uh, where was it, Poncherry. They were doing great selfless service. I met them. They had an order of uh, Mother Teresa's nuns in the South Bronx. They were doing uh, God's work, selfless service, nuns, yes, very chaste, priests, no, ostentatious, Rolex watches. Uh, I don't trust the priests. Nuns, I do. And there was a move for the 100, what would have been the 100th birthday of Mother Teresa to have the Empire State Building bathed in the colors of blue and white. And the Empire State Building, the owner-operator, Anthony Malkin, said a thousand times no. And I'll never forget it was in August of 2010. Unfortunately, I was wasting four years of my life in radio there because I had gone over to AM 970, the answer, a station of no consequence that nobody listens to nor can they hear. It basically exists uh, for one reason, one reason alone. It's the sister station of WMCA, the Holy Roller Station, where the reverends pay a dollar a holla to try to sell prayer rugs and everything else uh, of no significance. It's not going to do anything for you. So it's basically a rip-off station. They rip people off uh, uh, over religiosity at the old WMCA, which used to be the number one talker. In our tri-state area, this is going back to the 60s when WABC was spinning stacks of wax, but I digress. So the owners and operators of the Empire State Building, back in August of 2010, led by their CEO, Anthony Malkin, refused to honor Mother Teresa. Refused. I don't know if it would have been any different before that. It was owned by Leona Helmsley, who at one time was in partnership with Donald Trump over the Empire State Building, but she won out over the Donald. That's what a good business person she was. Man, she drove a very difficult bargain. And they gave all kinds of reasons as to why they would not honor Mother Teresa by bathing their tower in blue and white. Everything that made no sense whatsoever. They said they didn't honor religious figures, and yet they did when Cardinal John O'Connor died in 2000, and when Pope John Paul II died in 2005. So they're full of bull feathers. I know why they didn't honor Mother Teresa. It wasn't a mar on her resume. A more perfect person than probably never has been. It's because she was pro-life. And Anthony Malkin and his leadership uh, running the Empire State Building just didn't want to be able to say, hey, we're not going to honor a pro-life person. How ridiculous was that? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And uh, in opposition to that, 
was Catholic uh, League's leader, Bill Donahue. Great guy. And I remember he called me up and he said, Curtis, we're going to have a rally right outside the Empire State Building, right there on 34th. They're going to close it off for us, the NYPD. And we're going to try to put the pressure on Anthony Malkin, uh, Malkin Holdings, to change his mind and allow us to celebrate the life and times of Mother Teresa by bathing the tower in blue and white. I said, I'm on board. No problem. I was working right there at AM 970, The Answer, broadcasting from uh, about the 40th floor of the Empire State Building. And then the ownership, Salem Communication, which is all holy rollers. You would think that they would be in simpatico. They said, no, don't do anything to jeopardize the lease. You know, the Malkin Holdings Company may get upset if you go out there and you join Bill Donahue. I said, you got to be kidding. I thought you were a religious station. Do you like the work that Mother Teresa did? Oh, well, yeah. What do you mean, oh, well, yeah? What is there not to like? But they were very selfishly just thinking of their own interests. And so they said, if you go down there and join Bill Donahue on that stage and you give one of your rambunctious speeches against Anthony Malkin and all of those of Malkin Holdings, you'll be fired. I said, wow, what chutzpah, what culiones, a so-called religious station, Salem Communication, their religious station, WMCA, a dollar a holler, uh, they charge the ministers, and you're going to tell me if I'm on that stage with our friend, Catholic League's Bill Donahue, they're going to fire me? They say, you're damn right, we're going to fire you, we're going to put you out on the unemployment line. I said, what? what sanctimonious hypocrites? The world is filled with them. Filled with them. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. And it had nothing to do with religiosity because, as I had told you, they had honored Cardinal John O'Connor when he died in 2000 and Pope John Paul II when he died in 2005. But those were men. And, yeah, they were pro-life. But Anthony Malkin and Malkin Holdings wasn't going to say no to that. But they said no to Mother Teresa. What a disgraziato, what a shanda. An Albanian hero that she was, Mother Teresa, for so many years. <sighs> and then there was Mother Cabrini. Remember Mother Cabrini? Remember the flap? There was there was uh, Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, and his wife, Charlene. Towards the end uh, of his destruction of New York City in his second term, he put together a blue ribbon panel, and they were going to analyze different women in different categories of service to the community so that we would spend the money to have statues made in their likeness and position in different parts of the city so that boys and girls, men and women, non-binary, transgenders, I don't want to go through the 70 different explanations of what people are, he, they, she, some, whatever, would actually uh, begin to understand that women have been great contributors to Western civilization, to our way of being, to our culture, to our politics, the whole nine yards. Great idea. Great idea. Oh, but boy. It was uh, not to be. No, 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 no. They took an initiative, a plebiscite, and the, uh, the person who had gathered the most votes was... Uh, 
was uh, Mother Cabrini. My mother had spent time in Mother Cabrini for a medical situation that she had come down with. Uh, The people there were magnificent. I remember visiting her week after week, the Filipino nurses. It was still very strong religiously in the way it was run. I think it was down on 16th Street, almost in uh, mid-Manhattan. Not closer to the west, not closer to the east, but sort of like right there in the middle. Great hospital. Now, no longer in existence, closed. But uh, it wouldn't allow for a statue to be constructed in honor of Mother Cabrini. In fact, uh, Bill de Blasio and his wife Charlene said that, no, 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 they, they, they were not to be chosen. She was not to be chosen. They picked all other kinds of examples of... Uh, women who had been achievers, transgenders, transvestites, transformers. Uh, Down there in uh, Greenwich Village, uh, outside of uh, some of the institutions there where they had uh, the gay rights rebellion in the 60s. I get all of that. I get all of that. But uh, Mother Cabrini should never have been denied. I rarely, if ever, compliment uh, Andrew Evilize Cuomo. King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo. Hey, Andrew, I send him a two-si-u-provio-no-sfacim. And like your father, you are, as he listens intently on our FM affiliate, WLIR, out there in the east end of Long Island. That's where he's in the compound uh, owned by his brother Fredo with that muscle between his ears and now occupied by his wartime consigliere Joe Pococo, who's just been released from doing a six-year bid for political corruption in a camp fed down south. And uh, when I give him that shout-out, Andrew, just like your father Mario, he is. But in this particular case, no, he did the right thing. Because the city of New York uh, welched on their promise to honor the will of the people through their initiative and referendum, and the choice of the people was Mother Cabrini, Bill, Comrade Bill de Blasio and his wife Charlene said no, a thousand times no. And so um, Andrew Cuomo rode to the rescue with state funds. He had the uh, statue constructed. And it's now placed down in Battery Park City, uh, almost right there by the 9-11 Memorial. It's magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-W. Oh, we we ought to continue. Excuse me. Uh, My divining rod was a little off here, Broadway. Bill Lee, uh, waiting intently for Avery to complete his dissection and bisection of the funniest hour in all of radio. It's going to come to you from 4 to 5. He has listened to 20 hours of nonstop talk of Frank Marano, which is all I, I, me, me talk. Oh, Marano, my, you must have had quite the migraine. And he has boiled it all down to the funniest hour of talk radio, which we will play from 4 to 5. Let's go to James in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, James. Hello, hello. How are you? I have a story to uh, to tell your audience, but first I'd like to chime in on the uh, the death murders of of the racehorses. Is it, is it possible that there's fentanyl involved with the same actors? Maybe the uh, communist Chinese like getting involved in something like that. 
Oh, I don't think so. I, I think it's just to try to give the horses an edge in the races against their competition because even with human beings, uh, science is always farther ahead than the tests that they devise to try to catch the culprits who are either juicing human beings or, in this case, the thoroughbred horses. Okay. I'd like to sh- share a little story. I'm a senior now, and when I was in my early 20s, I... I was working in New York Life Insurance, and I dated a girl from Yonkers one night, and we went out and had a nice day, a nice night. And I took the subway home with her in the middle of the night, and on the I walked her home, came back, was on the platform, and I was ready to get rolled by three or four guys. There, were, there was nobody on the platform, and they were ready to roll me. And the train pulled up, and as the train pulled up, um, I saw three or four guardian angels in the first car. Mm. And it was, the door opened. I ran to the first car. They chased me. When they saw them, they stopped. I want to thank you. You're the greatest. Anything you run for, New York City, take Curtis like he's our son and bring us to the finish line. You have a good day, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you uh, for those compliments. Uh, That's really to the young men, young women of the Guardian Angels who every day have gone out uh, on patrols for 44 years. We just had our 44th anniversary. We're now in 13 countries, 130 cities. There's close to 5,000 members, all of them volunteers, who go out without weapons, risk their life, Don't ask anything in return, and it's all based on how I was brought up by my mother and father, Francesca and Chester, who would sit me down at the kitchen table as a young boy in Canarsie and consistently tell me, one young son, if you do good things, good things will come in return. Never ask why or how, but they will. And you will feel great in doing good things for other people. And I really did. Because I had great role models, my mother and father, and I would watch them and I would see they would derive such knockers, such good feelings over helping strangers, people they didn't even know. They weren't part of any formal organizations or nonprofits or religious organizations that were doing uh, outreach as part of their missions. No, they did it because it was the right thing to do. And I saw it brought them great joy. And I said, "I, I never saw anything that could replicate that. So why wouldn't I want to do it also? It's just I had to figure out a way to get other people involved, especially the concept of not carrying any weapons. That is a very un-American idea. In America, whether you're good or bad, the idea is to have the bigger weapons, more of those weapons, so that you, uh, by sheer will of might, can control a situation. So uh, that was really a heartfelt thanks to the many thousands of guardian angels who have served in 44 years. Six have been shot and killed in the line of duty. Three dozen seriously injured to the point where they have to go for therapy even to this day, even though their injuries may have uh, occurred many, many years ago. And we honor their sacrifice, their contribution, and of the many who have served without ever being tainted or physically impaired or emotionally impaired, 
who carry on the message of the guardian angels, which is uh, us and we, not I and me. If you see something, it's not about just saying something. No, 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 no. We physically intervene. We will risk our lives. We're not just going to wait around for the cops. The cops are overburdened. There aren't enough police officers. A lot of times things happen during shift change purposefully because the criminal element is trying to take advantage. And we're not going to let them get the upper hand. And even though we don't carry weapons in a in a society now that values the size of a weapon, it's almost like a, it's become a phallic symbol, whether good or bad. And we have opted to say, no, 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 no. We're going to be able to do this without weapons. We're going to do it as a group. We're going to train together. We're going to patrol together. We're going to improve. We're not going to move. That is our battle cry. We are going to improve, not move. Something that I heard as a little boy from a lot of the old timers who had moved from either Brownsville, Brooklyn, those were the Jews, or East New York, those were the Italians, and had uh, settled down in this uh, place called Canarsie. All roads lead to Canarsie. Many of my experiences are based on uh, observations that I made in growing up as a young boy in Canarsie. So if you uh, hear the references from time to time, don't shut me down. Don't turn me off. Do a little bit of research and look at how all roads that lead to Canarsie are interconnected. And they're interconnected for both the good and interconnected for the bad. And it's up to us the human spirit to be able to prevent the bad aspects from emerging and just to nurture all the good aspects that could then influence a lot of people in a future generation to go out and risk their lives for what is going to be the good of the community, the good of the world. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
so good. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Big Girls Don't Cry. And I was motivated to um, do a deep dive into the life of times of the comedian Joan Rivers. After doing that commemoration to the loss of Pat Cooper yesterday, two hours we went there, Broadway Bill Lee and uh, Avery, our phone screener and nighttime producer, and it was worth every minute of it. I mean, we could have done four hours. We could have done five hours of uh, Pat Cooper. He was so important as the uh, comedian most... uh, most uh, attached to the Italian-American community and a guy who was, like, constantly attacking his own uh, family members, his biological family members and extended family members, and had, like, this ominous dark cloud constantly hanging over him. But he was so quick, so good. And uh, maybe his equal, equal of any male comedian, was... Uh, Joan Rivers, no doubt about it. I think uh, we could all acknowledge how quick she was in being able to immediately take advantage of a situation and improv. I mean, one of the greatest improvers of all time. And probably, without a doubt, the greatest female comedian. You just look at her life and times and, wow, did she have quite the career, and all of it hard-earned. And I was inspired to do this after passing by the other week, the closed, padlocked Friars Club. I think they used to call it the monastery. It looked like a monastery. I think it had been reopened for about two years. Uh, I think it was over on 55th and Park. It was a consortium that was uh, brought together by the attorney, Arthur Idala, friend of... Uh, Sid Rosenberg, and it was a disaster. So much so that there was so much money that it needed to stay in business as the House of Comedy that there was no way that Arthur Idella and his investors could do it, so he closed. And I said to myself, man, that's just the kind of revival, resuscitation, resurrection that our owner-operator, John Casamitidis, and our parent company, Red Apple Media, has gotten involved with, saving WABC. Now a bid that he has made to save CNN that is in a full tailspin. And what could have been the salvation and the resurrection of the Great Friars Club. But that's something that's going to be an ongoing situation. Oh, I love the way that song starts. Is that true? Big girls don't cry? I don't know. I've known a lot of girls who cry. They can get away with it. Guys can't get away with that. That's for sure. Hey, you mamaluke, what are you crying for? But that's one person you would never think would cry. Joan Alexandra Molinsky. That's what she was birthed as. Without a doubt, a pioneer in female comedy. That made the rounds of Greenwich Village and ended up copping a squat with George Carlin, Woody Allen, and Richard Pryor. And then uh, developed 
into the talent that she became on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. We're going to get into that momentarily. But I think before we critique the life and times of Joan Rivers, what we're going to do, Broadway Billy, is we're going to go to the phones. I mean, look, these calls are off the hook. Let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Yeah, I, I have a question for you, Curtis, which I'll get to. First of all, Micah, though, that caller last hour, what, what voice candy, that, that girl uh, that called, that woman that called that went to the concert, what a voice. But, uh, you know, I had, isn't there a Mother Cabrini Catholic Church uh, right downtown at the, at the, uh, Brad, uh, by the park there? Uh, I'm not sure. I know that Andrew Cuomo uh, put a state-funded Mother Cabrini statue together that's right outside the Holocaust Museum in Battery Park where Sid was living temporarily when he was acting like a gypsy going from spot to spot. Uh, I recently showed my wife Nancy the statue because we were taking the ferry out to Ferry Hawk Stadium uh, where the Ferry Hawks were playing their uh, opening uh, day's game. Uh, but I wish it were in a different location. Uh, there's not really enough foot traffic there. And although Cuomo did a good thing and the state uh, fulfilled the wishes of the people who had voted in an initiative and referendum that the woman, first and foremost, they wanted honored in the city of New York was Mother Cabrini. And the reason that Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, and his wife, Charlene, said no, although they never said it publicly, is because Mother Cabrini was pro-life. Well, I, I remember, I, I think I would go to this Catholic, little Catholic church right down there at lunchtime, like once a week. I think it was Mother Cabrini uh, church or whatever, but I remember one sermon, the guy said, you don't have to be stainless steel perfect. I've never heard that concept before <laughs> or since, you know, stainless steel perfect. But, you know, I, I like I, that. I like that. Yeah. You don't have to be stainless steel perfect. Yeah. What it's a line. Funny. What a line. What a line. So, so it was worth it for that one line. I still remember it for today. How could you come up with that line? But uh, the other thing I was going to ask you, this is from my neighbor who's originally from where you went to high school, that area. She said that would be hard to get to from Canarsie. She said, how did you get that? Or she had to take like two buses. She had another question. I forgot what the other one was, but she listens to you while she's like half asleep at night. She wanted to know that. Ah, you see, half asleep and not fully asleep because right. she's got to she's got to stay with me and you uh, have to and everybody else to the break of dawn till six o'clock. Well, she must be referring to when I went to Brooklyn Prep, the Jesuit High School in Crown Heights near Nostrand and Carroll in President Street. I would take the B-17 bus from where I was, Avenue J in Remsen. It would go up uh, the hill, Utica Avenue, to Eastern Parkway. We would get out there, and then I'd walk down Eastern Parkway to Nostrand, which was a good uh, walk, and then I'd make a left, go down the hill, and that's where Brooklyn Prep was. And likewise, I would reverse the process when it was time to go home. Okay, so it was only one bus. Only one bus. Now, if I was in a rush... I would take the train, which was right there on Ostrand Avenue to Eastern Parkway, two stops. And then I'd jump on the B-17 bus, which was outside the uh, Children's Library there on Schenectady. 
and uh, it would go straight down uh, Utica Avenue and then veer off into uh, Remsen and, and uh, back to Kanashi. Okay, so how long was that commute? I'd say probably if there was traffic, it was 45 minutes to an hour. Sometimes there was no traffic, so it was about uh, 40 minutes to a half hour. And that walk from the B-17, when you would do that, how long was the walk time-wise? Oh, I took as much time as I wanted, hoping that I'd be late and that uh, all of a sudden uh, I would have missed uh, part of the first period. I was always looking for ways to cut corners. But I would take my sweet old time because walking along Eastern Parkway then, it was like a mini Champs-Élysées. You know, you had the huge trees, the boulevards. It was magnificent. You had the Lubavitches uh, that were growing in numbers at 770 Eastern Parkway off of Kingston. Uh, you had the West Indians, the uh, uh, Car- Caribbeans that were moving in. You had some Cuban refugees who were there. It was just absolutely magnificent. So I would say, all told, probably an hour and a half each way. Mm. So so you really enjoyed the walk, though? Oh, I loved it. I loved it because uh, Eastern Parkway, I mean, that's really the way a city should look. It shouldn't just be all concrete, steel, and sterile. Eastern Parkway was never that way. Every time I'd be walking along Eastern Parkway, I'd feel like a million bucks. So you have fond memories of that walk, basically. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's also where I learned, um, I actually observed on Kingston at that time, there was a rabbi from Sao Paulo, a Lubavitcher, I forget his name, who actually started the first uh, street patrols of citizens through Lubavitchers. That's the first time I heard the men screaming hopsum when the Tomahawk Street Gang was coming through looking to steal some of the black hats of the Hasidic, uh, the uh, Lubavitch, and they would scream hopsum, and immediately men uh, were under orders to drop anything they were doing, jump out of a car, jump out of a truck, jump out of the fish store, and they'd start running after these thugs, the tomahawks, and chase them right out of the neighborhood, Uh, and clearly the tomahawks would then go back to their gang and tell them, man, you don't want to go in there and mess with those black hats because there'll be like 400 of them chasing you, and if you happen to fall and trip along the way, you'll end up with about 20 boot marks on the back of your head. So that spawned maybe the Guardian Angels, just oh, saying that? Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely an inspiration, because uh, the Black Hats, the Hasidim of the Lubavitch, were surrounded by a lot of bad hombres. Uh, plenty of folks who didn't mind living with them, but there were some young thugs who were trying to take advantage of them. And the men recognized that their power, their strength were in numbers. You know, you come out in vast numbers when any one of your uh, particular community was in stress or was in need or was under attack. You can imagine from maybe four or five people in the street, 400 men running down Kingston in the direction of Empire Boulevard as you and your thugs were trying to get out of there and not get uh, sort of stomped on and decimated and sort of uh, spread into the wind. So it would be good from their point of view to have some speed on a foot to be a little bit fleet of foot, as they say. <laughs> well, they didn't have uh, those that had MC boots on. Uh, they were in trouble. Those that had their PF flyers 
and their Converse sneakers, they were able to fly out of there because the Lubavitchers were not that fast. They weren't that physical. They, they, you know, they weren't that strong. But, boy, you have 40 or 50 of them chasing you. They didn't have to be that fast. They didn't have to be that strong. They didn't have to be that dexterous. It was just, I mean, they would come at you in waves. And somehow you sidestepped all this. You were just the innocent uh, going to high school, taking, you know, going to class person that was just an observer, really. Yeah, well, I had the jacket on, you know, the uh, Brooklyn Prep jacket. So I looked like a little preppy boy. You know, you had the slacks. Uh, I wasn't uh, an intimidating presence to the Lubavitch. I wasn't an, imp- uh, an intimidating presence to the thugs. Uh, but, I, boy, you better believe I would observe that as much as I could. I would follow them, uh, even if I was late to school. Because, again, I was always looking for a reason to be late, Joe. Well, you probably also just like the outdoors. That was part of that, I think. You just were more comfortable in the outdoors. Oh, yeah. I hated sitting in that classroom, staring up at the blackboard, watching the, peach, uh, the teacher, uh, whether it was a lay teacher, a brother, or a priest, you know, put the chalk on the board, and then inevitably, you know, they it would make some kind of a sound that would cause everyone to squint. Uh, and you were really trapped in the classroom. What I liked was when they would take us out on field trips. They would take us to Prospect Park. They would take us to Eastern Parkway. They would take us to other places. We'd jump on the train together. And that was really part of a great learning experience. But just... In a sterile classroom itself, boy, I would get bored pretty quick. Now, did any of them expand the curriculum to where it it incorporated current events or global events? That that made it a little bit more interesting. Oh, absolutely. Uh, To their credit, the Jesuits were great teachers, especially the brothers. That's why they became brothers. I would always uh, make fun of them. Sometimes to their face, I'd say, hey, you know, Mr. French, your problem? And he'd say, no, why don't you tell uh, our class what my problem is? Uh, you know, maybe you're doing an analysis. Maybe you're a shrink wants to sleep. Why don't you tell the class uh, why I'm having a problem? And I'd say, Mr. French, the reason you're having a problem is you're frustrated. Mr. French would say, oh, could you please explain to the class why I'm frustrated? And I would say, because you're not a priest. And a priest can do more things than you. All you can do is teach. Pow! My head would spin around my my neck uh, like Linda Blair in The Exorcist. My mother could feel the vibrations all the way back in Canarsie. He actually did hit you, huh? Well, he had every right in the world to hit me because I was making fun of his vocation later on. I I came to respect brothers because they were dedicated to teaching us little whippersnappers. The priests really didn't want to be bothered with us. You know, they had priestly duties, you know, issuing the sacraments, going to, uh, to perform extremunction. You know, they couldn't be bothered with that. But the people who were really teaching us, in addition to the lay teachers, were the brothers. That That's what they were dedicated to do. And, boy, let me tell you something, Joe. They were great teachers, really great teachers. So you feel they were uh, much better than the average high school teacher uh, on average? Well, actually, I benefited from both, Joe. I went to parochial school and I went to public school. I went to public schools in the 60s when they were superior to the parochial schools 
because they had the special classes. They had the accelerated classes. So my the, the teacher that I felt I got the most from, uh, that I was most excited to go to school. I, in fact, I wasn't absent any day that entire year, which for me was a major record, was Alan Topol, who was my fifth grade teacher at PS 114. I couldn't wait to come to school. He was always energized. He was always challenging us. He always made it exciting. I couldn't wait to do my homework. I couldn't wait to do my extra credit reports. It's not that I was a brown nose, but... Boy, he left you with a thirst uh, for knowledge, uh, to debate, to discuss. He would always say, look, you got to come to class prepared. You can't just talk about things. You're going to have to, from time to time, buttress your arguments. And, boy, I I loved going to class with Alan Topol. I saw him years later, uh, many years after I started the Guardian Angels. He was at 59th Street, Lexington, in the subway station, uh, he was actually going from the R train to the 6 train, and we we reconnected. We had a great conversation. He had become quite the big macha in the old Board of Education that became the DOE. I called that acronym dumbest organization ever, but I'm sure he uh, had done as well as an administrator as he had as a teacher. He was the very best that I ever had. Oh, so I see what where you're coming from with that. He fostered discussion and debate, like the Socratic method, basically, where you had to match what's with him, basically. Absolutely. And he welcomed all arguments. He treated you as an equal. Uh, One of the first things we did when we returned to school in the fall was he made us all go out and collect the falling leaves, create a scrapbook with them. We had the cellophane... uh, uh, they covered them in the books, and then we had to learn what kind of leaves they were. We learned about photosynthesis. We learned how important trees were in sucking in the carbon dioxide and then producing the oxygen without which we couldn't survive. And I got to tell you, I was on my Schwinn Big Chief bicycle riding all around looking for all different kind of leaves. I became a cognoscente of different kind of leaves. An expert, basically. Oh, yeah, but I had a thirst to find them. And then once I found them, to research them, study them, because he made it that way. He made it like you wanted to do it, not like you were forced to do it. And and it's funny that these issues, like the various leaves are right under your nose, but, like, unless someone like that points it out to you, it's it's like people don't even think about that stuff. Well, look at it. Look at trees the way they are now. We do not understand how important they are. Without oxygen, we die. What produces the oxygen? The trees. They're going back to the old uh, a tree grows in Brooklyn. Well, you need many, many trees. And with all the fires that are going on now in Canada... Uh, you think they're teaching my uh, three sons, Anthony, who's 19, Carter, who's 14, Hunter, who's 12. You think they're teaching them anything about the importance of trees and what's going to happen to those forested areas in the maritime provinces and Quebec once they burn or they're, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, cindered up? No, they're not getting any lessons like that. I asked them, are they teaching you about that? No, it's in the news, right? The, uh, on Wednesday night, 
the entire atmosphere turned orange. I thought I was looking at either Sid Rosenberg or Donald Trump coming out of the tanning bed <laughs> at a tanning salon because they both look orange at times. That was pretty ominous. It was, but you would think that that would stimulate a desire on the part of people to know, how did it get that way? How could those forest fires be so powerful that the air currents would bring all of the particulate and all of that smoke so far down here? And, you know, they weren't teaching that in school. I was really disappointed because they go to relatively good public schools. Right. In other words, that that spark of curiosity about nature and also what happens if enough of these trees are gone. What 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 then? Right. Well, see, I'm I'm unlike my colleagues here, not all of them, but most of them. I am a true believer in uh, global warming, climate change. Uh, And uh, I have seen scenarios all over the globe that are contributing to the rise of Mother Earth's temperature, which is extraordinarily dangerous. It's going to cause major changes in our life. But, you know, most people go around never thinking twice about it. But every little change in temperature incrementally is going to lead to more serious and serious problems. We're seeing it all over the world, but we're in denial. Ah, you know, hey, come on, you're, you're over-exaggerating, you're embellishing. Hey, really, uh, it's not going to melt. The North Pole's not going to melt. All right, <laughs> you don't want to think it's going to melt. Here are all these scientists spending their whole lives. They're living on igloos like a, a polar bear. Uh, you know, they, they have bare sustenance uh, to try to study Mother Earth. And all we do is we're critical of them when, in fact, they're learned men, learned women. They've dedicated their whole lives to the science of understanding what's going on with Mother Earth. And we just immediately dismiss them. Well, it's a, the trees are important. And we're going to find out if enough of them burn down or are, you know, taken all out. Uh, what that's going to mean, and that it's going to be too late, Curtis. Well, you know, uh, the, the one group of people who have had enough with trees are my wife, Nancy, today when we were walking around earlier in between shifts. Uh, I don't have um, uh, any kind of respiratory issues. Uh, I don't have allergies, thank God. Mm-hmm. She does. So right away she's right. pointing, look at look at all the dust on the cars. Look at all the pollen on the cars. And I'm not seeing any pollen. And then all of a sudden, because she pointed that out and she has allergies and she has to take Claritin D, which like basically dries up her navel cavities. Then I see some people, they're they're sneezing all over the place. And then I'm able to connect the dots. Yeah, wow, these people are really suffering because the trees are emitting pollen. And you know what those schmucks and putzes have done in the city park system? They used to plant equal number of male trees and female trees, something that I learned about from Alan Topol, that there were male trees and female trees. But because they said, oh, the female trees, they're creating too much debris, you know, too many leaves, too much pollen, too much debris as they go through their changes, we're just going to plant male trees. What idiots. They take an easy way out. And with the male trees now, it's producing almost 10 times the normal cycle of pollen so that people like my wife and others who have serious allergy problems are really suffering even more than they normally do. 
That's interesting. I didn't realize that about the you know the different that there were male and female trees. That that is interesting. Yeah, like everything in this world. Although they haven't yet gotten to the point, Joe, where they're identifying as transgender or non-binary. <laughs> transgender trees. Oh, no, that's coming. Trees. You know that's coming, Joe. <laughs> It's it's Pride Month. You know, doggone well, somebody out there is going to say, hey, you know, this particular tree identifies as non-binary. You know, hey, you, you, you can't refer to it as a, as a he, a, a she. It's got to be they. It's, okay, whatever whatever yeah, floats those, your boat. Those innocent days are gone, Curtis, when you were walking just to school admiring the trees. You know? No, you can't. You can't do that anymore. And also... The reason you can't is because you have people who are paranoid. I love to feed the pigeons. My wife loves to feed the pigeons. And so people will come up and they confront her. They never confront me because they think I'm going to kill them. So they confront my wife and they say, you see this pigeon poop? Are you going to pay to get this pigeon poop out of my suit that I just got out of the cleaners? And they're screaming at the top of their lungs at my wife. And my wife goes... Well, you know, when you take food in to to give nutrition to your body, don't you end up pooping? And the guy looks like a businessman. I'm watching him because they don't know how we're together. Well, of course, but I do it in the bathroom. So my wife, the Weisenheimer she is, says, oh, so maybe we should build porta sands for the pigeons, huh? Schmuck. Well, you know, I do think people that feed the birds have a good... That's like that St. Francis of Assisi. They have that good heart. You know, that's a sign. Yeah, but you see a lot of people, that's the one time my wife gets a lot of beef. It's it's like uh, two camps. They're the people who like the bird feeders, and then there are the people who despise you. They hate you. They loathe you. They say, oh, those pigeons spread disease. And if you ever see... Some of these magnificent brownstones, you look up, and they have all these spikes that are right on the, the windowsill itself. I mean, like spikes that when the pigeons land, they get all cut up. Their feet are cut up. It's, like, horrific. The best way, if you want to scare off the pigeons, if you think they're flying rats, is you put up these fake owls. They won't come anywhere near the owl because the owl is a natural uh, predator. It's like... Uh, if you go on the farm and you notice in the middle of a cornfield they have the scarecrow, the crows won't come anywhere around because obviously they don't want to be near humans. Likewise, uh, flying rats, as some people refer to them, street pigeons, do not want to be in proximity to owls because owls are their natural predators. Wow. So, so that's interesting. So that actually works. Putting up a figurine of, of an owl will actually... Yeah, I, I, I've observed it. I've compared it between those that put up spikes, which uh, are torturous to the uh, pigeons that land on it, and those that have these uh, fake owls on their windowsills. The pigeons don't come anywhere near the owls. They perceive them to be real, and they perceive them to be predatorial towards them. Now, you see, that was a great conversation with Joseph. I think now you understand, ladies and gentlemen, why I don't have guests on. Giuseppe Joe was in a conversational mode. 
Look how much information we emoted there. Both Joe did and I did. And he was great. You know, reminded me of David Suskind. Remember David Suskind Sunday nights, the old Metro Media? It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Of course you didn't. I didn't come home until about 12 uh, midnight. <laughs> no cell phones, right? Your mom, your dad, they knew you were going to come home. Now, if you didn't come home by 12 midnight, oh, boy. Now you are looking for double trouble. But think of that now. It's like if the kid is gone for 15 minutes and you can't get him on the cell phone because he doesn't want to answer the phone because he doesn't want to tell you where he really is, but you can track him on the GPS. Think back then. There was no way. Out the door in the morning and didn't come back till late at night and your parents didn't think anything about it. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. New kids on the block, yeah, blast from the past. You think Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, is singing around the campfire at his uh, annual barbecue that I wasn't invited to until 1.57 on Saturday afternoon, an hour before I had to join Anthony Weiner on left versus right? Or Broadway Bill Lee, Joe Causey, his partner at WCBS-FM, an iconic figure in Staten Island. He was invited, but not Broadway Bill Lee, nor was Avery, who, as he has stated time and time again, wouldn't have been invited even if he was bringing Domino's Pizza. A double disgraziato. Yeah. Let's go to Bill in Georgia. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Billy. Yes, hello, Billy. Oh, no, Billy. Billy, wait, wait, wait. Let's see if Billy's sleeping there. Let's see if this hillbilly from down in Georgia with red clay between his toes is sleeping. Are you you, you sleeping, Bill? Yeah, you like that song, right, Bill? Hanging tough. Play it. Play it, Avery. I think we woke that hillbilly up there. Yeah. Hanging tough. Hanging tough. Yeah, hello, Bill. Hello. Did I wake you up? Now, yeah, you know, I was just drifting listening to the program. Yes, yeah, didn't wake me up, but sort of like it. Now, you, you like know, that, you like that song, right, Bill? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was just chilling out to it, just going into that rhythm. I, oh, it, you know, and uh, I, I almost, 
hey, Curtis, you know something? Yes, this is the yes, first yes, time yes, I've yes. spoken to you the, or the last time I heard you. Do you know what radio program you were on mm. 40 years ago? This is going to bring back memories. Let's see, 40 right? years ago. Was it Larry King? Barry Farber. Barry Farber, oh, yeah. Two scorpions in a brandy glass. He was so smooth to listen to when I used to live in New York. He was so smooth. I'm a native New Yorker. I left in the early 80s. And I will tell you something, just a couple of things I wanted to talk about, about the old days. How this is the first time I've connected with you, and I've been so impressed with you. Just in terms of your political thing, I noticed you ran, and I revisited you. But like that guy said, during those years, I was finishing up college in New York, and I was just a skinny Italian kid from Brooklyn going through the subways and working two jobs. It was the guardian angels that made sure I was safe. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Those those F trains, I was on those trains, and I was able to make those 10.30 at night, 1.30 in the morning, we ain't nothing there except the bad guys. And you're just a skinny kid from Brooklyn with your money and stuff like that. Without those angels, I wouldn't have stood a chance. I wasn't no tough galoop. By the way, you know what you call those guys that stand next to the politicians? I got a good name for it. What's that? What's that? You you call them galoops. 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 Big galoops. (laughs) 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 But seriously, what? and, and I just was shocked at how... Uh, in terms of your persona and what you're doing politically, you're a kind of conservative for the modern age. And I am looking at it, and I also put into my proviso, I was going to talk about old New York, but also about this whole walk woke thing that I think is causing a big swell of reaction, which you'll recognize from the Reagan revolution of the 70s. It's happening again. Mm, mm. And I think somebody, and I think you see all the signs, all the things you're mentioning when you, when you look at the forest instead of the trees, it capsulizes in one thing why I've been energized. And by the way, in, in, in the state I live in, I live a very comfortable environment in Georgia. I live a country club existence. I'm prosperous. But what's awakened me is I have little cousins that are kids is when they decided that these Democrats are going to go teach kids in school all sorts of crap. I wouldn't have, you couldn't talk about in a Brooklyn neighborhood 40 years ago in front of a child. They would, you would, you would get beaten up for it. Just think, I'll capsulize it for you. This is something you can use. They're teaching kids in school that which would get you killed in a prison today. Ha! That's a good analogy. Wow. Is that something you can use on this stuff? I'm feeding your lives. You got the galoops and you got, think about it. They're teaching kids. You know the prison system. Sure. You know the streets. Yep. They're, te- they're teaching kids that which would wait until one of those teachers goes in. You want to go to a state pen and tell them that's what you're teaching their kids in school mm. about trans sites? Yep. You're talking about your Canasi upbringing. I guarantee you went to public school. They didn't talk anything about stuff like that to you when you were in school. You're correct. You're absolutely correct. You're a, a wealth of information. And uh, I almost uh, could suggest that you're a prognosticator also, Bill. Hey, listen about something. By the way, you turned me off. I didn't watch the Belmont. 
Good. And uh, I don't, I, I, I'm just not going to do it. But think about it. Look at what's happening, how you're seeing a swell. And you know that I connected with you, and it's really been 40 years. You're capsulizing the balance of what a modern conservative is. Why? You could be pro-choice, but you could be pro-life. You're not that crazy about an issue. You know commonsensical issues. You're not so rigid in every view. But you also know what's right or wrong. And what wakes me up, someone who is basically a moderate, when they're talking stuff like that, when they literally are going into schools, and and think about it, they're going to engineer, you're going to trust, think about it, you had a kid, you're going to trust some teacher to talk sociology or politics to your children, and guess why? The only thing they need is reading and writing and arithmetic. That's all they need. All the other stuff should be taught at home. And remember the most important are respect. Respect. In such, such as. Taught respect. Respect one, y'all. Start the cheat. How can you talk? You're just a kid. Listen to your elders, because one day you'll be an elder. And then you'll actually know how to speak, and maybe you'll have some substance to lean on when you're speaking. Boy, I'm like repeating what my grandfather and grandmother have told me so many years ago, Fidel and Nicoletta Bianchino. Although it was in broken bodies, so I had to sort of use my Elmer's glue and figure it out. It was like one statement in English, another in bodies, and let me let me try to figure out what the hell they were talking about. Yeah, let's hang tough. Our number's 1-800-848-9222 to the breaking door. With all of you right here at WABC. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. Sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers woo, they still say, I love you. On that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by Take that, Joe Piscopo, Jersey Joe Piscopo with the uh, Ramsey uh, Ramsey Subaru Hour To make that two hours now nationally syndicated just a few hours, Sunday night, 6 to 8, exclusively here on WABC. Let's go to Carl in Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carl. Hey, good morning, Curtis. 
Yes, Sean. Yeah, I'm here in Forest Hills. I'm sitting on the terrace, and uh, my lady friends. Uh, actually, I'm from Astoria, but I'm taking care of my lady friend. I'm 68, and she's a little older than me. She's having some health problems, but I mean, it's really beautiful down here. I'm on uh, Juno and Ascan, not far from where uh, that terrible thing took place last year, where Orasolia Gar was murdered by the, the by the handyman. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was a terrible, terrible killing. I, I, I knew her, too. I knew of her. I used to see her in the uh, Station House uh, restaurant by 71st and Continental. So what was, she, what was she like? Because obviously the image that was projected is that while her, uh, her husband was away or family members were away, she'd allow this uh, fix-it guy to sort of sneak into her abode, and then they'd get on and do the nasty, nasty. Yeah, that was unfortunate, I guess. I mean, hey, man, I, you can't find a decent guy in Forest Hills. I mean, you know, I guess Tahar was under the radar. It was clandestine. So I guess that's why she went with that. But, I mean, her and she had two girlfriends. They used to remind me of, like, they were Hungarian Jewish. They reminded me of, like, the Gabors. I mean, they were really pretty women. Ah, so the Gabor sisters. Something like that. Yeah, no, they were pretty women. They really stood out. And I knew them for a long time. They, you know, the Gabor sisters, I think the combination of marriages that they had between them, uh, oh, you, wow. you you throw a Larry King in there, and, I mean, you're hitting triple digits. You're hitting triple <laughs> right. digits. You know what? When I was a boy, when I was 12 years old, man, I used to watch Green Acres, and my, my boy, when I saw Ava Gabor, I really, I really, that rang my bell. Yeah, she well, Jaja uh, Gabor, Ava Gabor, they'd right. be on the talk shows. They'd be with Mike Douglas. Uh, they'd be with uh, oh any number of uh, of uh, times that they would appear. Uh, daytime. Uh, Ava Gabor was always on with uh, Johnny Carson. She was great. Yes. I used to love her when she come with Johnny Carson. It was such a great interview with her. Wow. Now, oh, great. Green Acres. Hey, that's your place to be. You're out there on the terrace there in Forest Hills. You're right in the gardens. You could be planting corn. You could be planting wheat right there in the green. Living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Keep Manhattan, just give me that countryside. Curtis, I want to tell you something. Yes, Astoria is really on the skids. Everybody says these great restaurants. I mean, the crime that is scales come there. They're coming like moths to a to a to a, a lantern. The scales come there to all those those nightclubs and everything, and they're selling narcotics. It's really appalling. I hate to go back there. I got my own apartment there, and the only it's really just a storage place. And I hate to even go back there to have to take care of business. Yeah, well, uh, we've uh, started a patrol there along 30th Avenue. Uh, we're right. there in Steinway. Uh, we're going to be right. expanding into the nearby Astoria projects because uh, right. the likes of AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and her mini me's like T- Tiffany Caban. They hate the police. Uh, they don't just want to defund the police. They want to remove the police. They want to cap out the number of prisoners that can be detained in the city of New York, citywide in all five boroughs, to 3,500. That's it. So they really want to just turn the criminals loose. So I'm not waiting around for the politicians. I never did. I never will. I'm not waiting around for the police. They're just not enough of them, Carl. 
I'm taking matters into my own hands with the Guardian Angels. Yeah, good for you. I belong to the Queens GLP on Myrtle Avenue down on 71st Street, but I heard you opened up on Steinway up there. So, And, you know, I'm sure you're aware of this, that 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 uh, that, uh, that fire department lady that was murdered by that skull up there. Yes, on Steinway. He, he he's he's been he's been designated not fit for trial, so he's going to walk in a way. He's going to get three cots in a hot. Well, th- it's a not only him. The other person that ye- has yet to be charged. Remember, it's the guy who had killed twice before, and was released always. Uh, he was schizophrenic. Remember, he trapped that mother of five children. In that area, that was abandoned by the token booth clerk, that uh, connection between the oh, A-train right. in right. Howard Beach yeah. to the bus that takes you to the various terminals. And oh. he so violated her and stomped her and assaulted her that she ended up losing her eye. In meantime, oh, yeah, by in meantime, he's been in uh, observation hell. It's sort of like either cut the guy loose and put him in jail or keep him locked up in a psychiatric facility until the day he dies, because he truly is like Udiab, the devil. When you watch that video, and you watch him come back time and time again to assault this woman, to stomp her, to beat her, to force her to lose her eye, well, maybe he needs a little bit of his own medicine. I mean, you know, there's only so much you can do to take care of the emotionally disturbed or those who are titched or vats or are not in control of, of their mental faculties. Sometimes the only thing you can use, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, is a bit of, a little bit of pain compliance, where if they don't exceed to what is in the best interest of everybody, you're going to have to have them suck concrete right there, give them an attitudinal readjustment, and make sure they remember you. Check this out. On the weekend. Ufa. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
wait a minute, right now, we have Gene Okerlund, and we also have Sergeant Slaughter. All right, Sergeant Slaughter, I am simply bewildered at some of the things that have been happening here over the past couple of weeks. What in the world is going on? Obviously, animosity existing between you and the Iron Chief. I want all you people to listen up to what I have to say. I know that through my military career and all through my wrestling career, I've called a lot of people maggots. But I can say right here to you people that are here and the millions of people out there, I can say that Fred Blassie, the American trainer, and the Iron Chief of my round are the biggest maggots of them all. They're the biggest maggots of them all. And I've had it right up to here. Every time I pick up an American newspaper and see that one of my comrades, one of my people, one of my Marines, one of my boys went down. And now they're after just Americans. They're not even talking about military. Well, let me tell you, Iron Seats and you American trainer blasties, governments don't fight. It's the people that fight. It's the people that die. And I'm telling you, Maggot, I want you here if you got the guts next week, all alone, one-on-one, -on -one, to wrestle me right here, right here next week. If he accepts this match, and one is the slaughter cannon, two is the cobra clutch, three is the cobra core, and last and not least, the one word you hate of all, USA, USA, USA. Been sitting two nights a shiver for the Iron Sheik, who passed away. Yesterday, we sat two hours a shiver for the greatest Italian-American comedian of all time, Pat Cooper. We sat two hours a shiver for the loony Kazuni from Parts Unknown, <laughs> Pat Robertson. Oh, what a kookalamunga he was. And, of course, we continue to remember... The great days when we were in the midst of our impotence, rendered helpless by the Ayatollah Khomeini and the Iranians who were taking in our hostages in our embassy. And our president was incapable of doing anything. He lies in hospice now in Plains, Georgia. But Jimmy Carter was just not ready for it. So we needed an alternative. We needed a surrogate. And that surrogate was Sergeant Slaughter. 
And Sergeant Slaughter was taking on the Iranian menace. Who could ever forget the Iron Sheikh? The most hated, the most despised, the most despicable of the many fiends and foes who had permeated into this theater of the mind of professional wrestling, specifically of the WWF of Vince McMahon Sr., who then handed the reins to his son, Vince McMahon Jr. But once again, for all of those who will no longer be able to see the theatrics of the Iron Shake in the ring, here he is. We are channeling him in death. Broadway Bill Lee, let it roll one more time. And my distinguished guest from the Middle East is from Persia, from Iran. He is Sheikh Alahani, Khosrow Vasari, the Iron Sheik. Anybody that knows wrestling knows that it's synonymous with the Iron Sheik. Welcome back to the beautiful South Florida area here in Miami. Thank you very much, Jim. Mean, intelligent American, intelligent Miami city, all American resting city. People like you always tell the mean Sheik, welcome to the Miami. Now, all of the songs, young punk American, come to the WWF, toughest, roughest area in the world, and he beat bunch of American, and he makes a name for himself. Exactly. You know who I'm talking about, I right? know, exactly. Exactly. Now, Miami, all intelligent American, Italian, my Banzan, Iranian, all Jewish people, yeah. intelligent Jew like yourself, they know about the Aron Sheik. They know who's the Aron Sheik. They have the, the from John F. Kennedy Airport to the Los Angeles, California. They know who's the Aron Sheik. Now, Corporal Kirchner. Corporal Kirchner. Forever. Last time you was lucky, that blonde was your partner. Danny Spivey. Exactly. This time, just you and I. Precisely. Exactly. You better get ready, because she born ready. Cameraman, Zoom. Zuma, thank you. Miami Sight Center, Monday, April 28th. And then finally, the Coupe de Grasse, like the icing on the cake, when uh, the Iron Shake, with his strange-looking mustache and shoes, called out to classy Freddie Bellassi, maybe the greatest manager of all time, to put the schmata on his head. And for Ivan Koloff, the Soviet menaced to join him in a tag team match in which they eventually won the first WrestleMania Tag Team Match Champions. Uh, Khosrow Vasari, Sheikh Kalahani, the Iron Sheik. You, you've heard, have you ever heard the expression, man speak with forked tongue? You know, Jim Mean, you're an intelligent American. Thank you've you. been in the library, you read about... A lot of different country, a lot of different athletic. I just want to ask you a very simple question. I don't care if you are Jew American or I don't care if you are all American boy, but I'd like to ask you a very simple question. Sure, go right Can ahead. you tell me very random and Mac Rotondo, what can a Pan American been, what Olympic been, what the AAU been, what, the, the what, what, what international compete they had? Can you tell me anyone? Well, I would have to go back to the library to check that out and go back to the record. What do you mean you have to go to the library? You want to tell me? Are you dumb? Are you a fool? Mark Rotondo, Barry Vandom, every intelligent American know 
just like my manager, Mr. Blasi, said, referee that Uncle Rufus was your cousin or whatever. That's because you're cheating us. No, you don't believe the uh, Mr. Blasi, you don't believe the Nikola Volkov. I'm sure you believe Magrotondo, you believe uh, Berivando. For sure you're another all-American Jew man. Well, thank you very much. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Mean Joe, excuse me, Mean Gene Oakley, the greatest interviewer of all time called <laughs> a smart Jew, an all-American smart Jew. Could you say that nowadays? Come on. Uh, wherever you are, shake, shake, amazing, iron shake, iron shake. Oh, that's so good. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But when we speak of those that were very good, as I said the other day, as I was walking around the city, which is in decay, so many more restaurants closing, so many more storefronts closing, And all I see are weed shops popping up to take their place, illegal weed shops. They call them the pop-up weed shops. But I had an opportunity to pass by on East 55th Street, right between Park and Madison, the old, what they referred to as the monastery, the old Friars Club. And it's not like I was in there often. I was in maybe two times my life. I remember the first time actually walking in and seeing the old-time comics as they sat there. And they had two phones, one on both sides of them, as they were answering the phones. I don't know if they were placebo phones. I don't know if they were the real phones. But there was a certain ambiance about the Friars Club. And then because of ineptitude and theft, they closed. And... uh I was hoping that our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who has resuscitated and rescued and rebirthed so many other businesses and operations, especially we here at WABC, that he would have been given an opportunity to do likewise for the Friars Club. But it's padlocked. It's closed like so much in New York City. A consortium was brought together by Arthur Idala an attorney who obviously knew nothing about nothing because for two years it was in operation, I think, uh, from about 2021 on, and it has since uh, been padlocked again. And, boy, a whole host of great comedians had passed through there through the years. And I just want to go down memory lane because the greatest of all female, female comedians, of which there have been more and more of late, but there were so, so few early on in the existence of comedy. But I want you to listen here to Joan Rivers, who was on the Johnny Carson show, was talking about his uh, penile implant, I think it was, you know, like Paulie Castellano had up at the White House on Toad Hill when he was chasing around his Peruvian uh, uh, handmaiden, I guess you call her, or whatever. Well, not quite. I saw it in real life. <laughs> Did you really? How do you think he got on the show? <laughs> they're, they're comparing him to Michael Fassbender. Oh, no, John Hamm. 
Or John Hamm, yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you're not shocked? I had no idea that the man could stand and sit at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, she was so quick. She was so quick. Let's go to Gary and Inwood. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gary. Good morning, Curtis. Uh, I had a customary developer relationship with Freddie Blassie. Uh He shopped in my store, and over the years, it became closer, and I had occasion to have dinner at his house a few times. And I, get to, I got to know the guy pretty well. So what was he like? And real life as as opposed to the role that he was playing in professional wrestling. Nothing like show business whatsoever. Quiet, unassuming. Uh, he would come in and shop with his wife. And he had a special need for a certain veal cutlets that he would have. I would have custom cut for him. And I used to have the conversation and talk with him on my break. And after a period of time, he invited me over to his house a few times. So I got to know the guy off off camera or off how he really was. Very quiet, very unassuming. Did he say anything about the business of wrestling to you? I had one thing I thought was very interesting. Well, he told me how he lost his eye. A woman poked it out with an umbrella. Uh, was an interesting situation. I uh, I had gotten him what he needed as far as the, uh, the order was. And at the same time, coming to a door on the other side of the store was uh, Arnold Scullin. The gold, what they call him, the golden boy? Yeah, the golden boy from White yeah, Plains, he, Westchester. And he was in the store at the other end. So I saw him, and I went over to where Freddie was, and I told him what I just said to you. And he felt nothing to do with telling him. He felt very uncomfortable. He said, where is he? He says, at the other end, he just came through the front door. He said, okay, thank you. And after we finished with our conversation, he purposely went down the other end of the store. Mm. So why, I found that interesting. Why do you think that was? Well, I, I think there was a genuine, you know, other than off camera, there was a genuine animosity there. But he wanted, he went out of his way to avoid it. Hmm. I found that interesting. And once again, I had dinner at his house a few times, so I got to see the personal life of him. And I also saw him in the down, sorry, the downcline before he died. And he got, he, he, whatever his, his situation was, he lost a tremendous amount of weight. And I would wait on his wife. And one day she came in, and I took care of the order that he wanted. So I, I, I said, where is Freddie? He says, he's outside waiting in the car. So I excused myself. I went outside, and he was sitting in the Cadillac, and the horn was on in the car. And he just sat there. And the horn was blasting, and he just sat there and had no idea what to do or how to do it. So I went around to the driver's side, and I shut it off. And he just stood there, and he stared straight ahead. It just kept on profusely thanking me. Wow. But at this point in time, he was on a downcline. Mm. He lost a tremendous amount of weight, mm. and he died a few months later. Mm. But he was uh, totally numb to the situation, and there were people outside looking at him sitting in the car, and he didn't know why he wasn't doing anything about his situation. But he had no idea what to do or how to do it. Yeah. So I took the initiative, and I, I shut his car off. That's great. That's great that you took that initiative there, Gare. You saw him at the top of his game, and you saw him towards the end. Not many people have an opportunity to do that, nor express it in the most intimate form of communication that men or women have ever created. Uh, that's uh, what he's talking about, whether it's the terrestrial radio, the old-fashioned box radio you have, or the app that you're downloading in your iPhone or your cell phone. 
or your laptop computer, uh, you know, you stream uh, either uh, with your permanent computer or your laptop computer. So many ways to hear this thing of ours. 1-800-848-9222. One at times seems better than the other. That's 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. in which I go back and forth. What song is this? One group is performing this song. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Again, what song is this and what group is performing this? In my eclectic way of reaching out to touch all of you, whether it is electronic dance music, disco, rock and roll, or music that enhances the theater of the mind. How quickly you forget, ladies and gentlemen. Forgetting your roots. 1-800-848-WABC. Tell me nobody out there understands just from listening to that. What a classic, what a classic musical 
tribute that was. I realize it's a little helter-skelter, a little off the wall. But then again, that's what your host is right here. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking of Joan Rivers, her first appearance at the Ed Sullivan Theater right there in Midtown Manhattan. That's 141. Joan Rivers on the Ed Sullivan Show. The way the styles are today, I'm glad I'm married, because if I was single, I could never get married looking like this, you know? And I feel sorry for any single girl today. The styles and the whole society is not for single girls. You know that. Single men, yes. A man, he's single, he's so lucky. A boy on a date, all he has to be is clean and able to pick up the check. He's a winner. You know that. <laughs> or a, a, man, a man can call up anybody in the whole world. Do you know that? Hello, I saw your name in the locker room. I thought I'd give you a quick call. <laughs> a girl, a girl can't call. Girl, you have to wait for the phone to ring, right? And when you when you finally go on the date, the girl has to be well dressed. The face has to look nice. The hair has to be in shape. The the girl has to be the one that's bright and pretty, intelligent, a, a good sport. Howard Johnson's again. Hooray! Hooray! Excuse me. A girl, a girl, you're 30 years old, you're not married, you're an old maid. A man, he's 90 years old, he's not married, he's a catch. It's a whole different thing. Great. Great stuff, by the way, speaking of the Ed Sullivan Show. I remember seeing, uh, seeing, uh, Joan Rivers. He was on the Mike Douglas Show, the Dick Cavett Show. The Virginia Graham show, yeah, in the afternoon, Virginia Graham. And, of course, now this was the shocker of all shockers for me. Apparently, Joan Rivers wrote material for the little Italian mouse, Topo Gigio. She wrote material for my all-time favorite on the Ed Sullivan show, the little Italian mouse, Topo Gigio. It's like almost impossible for me to fathom that. And yet she did. She got the credits. There's no doubting that. Sorry. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jay in Far Rockaway. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Jay. Hi, Curtis. Yeah, I've spoken to you before. Uh, Ten years ago... Uh, Joan Rivers, she was great. She was the best. But 10 years ago, she was on NBC promoting a product. And that's strange, right? She's promoting a product on NBC. Hmm. And the the product was uh, something about hair growth. Maybe the, the ladies were getting bolder, bold. I know men get bold, but ladies do also, right? Well, I will tell you this, uh, Jay. Are you prepared to know the remedy that I have advocated for years for hair retention yeah. and hair growth? Yeah. All right. Now, Jay, you, you go out and you get a container of Bertoli olive oil, second press. It must be virgin olive oil, second press. I'm writing it down. Okay. So, remember... Bertoli olive oil, original olive oil, second press. You get that? Okay, I got it. Then you put second it press. you put it into your fingertips, you know, like you yeah, yeah, like you're you're getting uh, your 
your nails done, except you put it in your fingertips and then you massage your medulla and cerebellum right into oh the right, right into the roots of those few uh, tree trunks that are still growing in your head. <laughs> you have to massage it in real good. And once you finish dealing with uh, that part of your head that's above your shoulders, then you work on the head that's below your navel. Oh, wow. Well, I got, that's super. I wrote that down. Yes. And I got something good. Uh, you were selling a product, right, for, for loss of hair. Yes. So so I, I, I talked to her and, and I asked her, well, listen, I have a girl. My girl doesn't have no hair down there. Will, will that work? And she hanged up on me. Oh, no. Just like I'm going to have to hang up on you, Jay. There's no punchline there. No punchline. You see, Jay, his delivery's a little bit off. A dollar short a day late. He just, he wasn't in a rhythm there. He just couldn't deliver. Speaking of a rhythm, were all of you familiar with the fact that as successful as Joan Rivers was, she was on talk radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Broadway, Billy, except women's only radio, WOR. First of all, I hate that music. That's going to go. That's to start with. If there's one thing I despise, it's jazz. And progressive jazz, if that's it, whatever it is, whoever picked that is some skunk. So let's begin with It's Joan Rivers. We don't know what we're doing yet. They've given me two hours. They said, do what you want to do. And then they keep saying to me, what do you want to do? I don't know what I want to do. I want to have lots of opinions. I have lots of ideas. I get very angry at a lot of things. I think this country is in the toilet. I think that things are just going haywire. I think there are no manners anymore. I think that kids, never mind Ebonics, I think let's learn to speak English. I think taxi drivers should say thank you when you give the son of a bitch a tip. I think there are lots of things that should be done. I think there's nothing work with, work, wrong with hard work. My grandmother cleaned fish and my father went to college. Remember those days when you worked your way through? So that's what I'm thinking about. But let's start out slowly. You'll never hear that music again. If I have to hum, you will never hear that again. That's number one. Number two, I don't know who's out there. It's freezing cold in New York. I, I mean, it is snowing. It is raining. It's awful. So maybe there's some people stuck in a car somewhere. I know my, my doorman, Joe, is listening. And my daughter, Melissa, called me up to say, congratulations, but I'm too busy. So I guess there's no point in saying, Melissa, how are you? So I won't end up like Carol Burnett saying, Good luck, kid, because I know she's not listening. The only good thing that's happened today is they found there is a gene linked to weight control. This is going to be a very shallow show. You might as well know it right now. But for those of you that have starved the way I have starved your entire lives, there's a now they found out. You know how you always hate all those people? I can eat anything. They can't gain weight. Well, obviously, there's really a gene they found out today that burns more than you consume and that's wonderful and maybe with some never mind getting monkeys together and never mind finding sheep let's find that gene that i believe even the catholic church will agree with me because a lot of cardinals are chubby ah. now the question is for all of you cognoscente out there who are lifelong listeners to talk radio, especially wabc on the weekends which stands for always broadcasting curtis in this climate, in this day and age, if Joan Rivers were still alive, 
Would there be room here at WABC for a Joan Rivers on the radio? Many of you remember her at WOR, Women's Only Radio. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then there was uh, Joan Rivers on the QVC shopping channel fighting with Miss Piggy. What are they selling? Half-baked ham? Oh, a pork joke! How original, Joan! Here, let me try. Plastic surgery, plastic surgery, plastic surgery! Oh! Now, if you'll excuse me. You're not going anywhere. Let your hands off me! You just have my breasts. Joke's on you. They're down there now. Oh, next time I'll kick you in the shit! You tried to kick me in the shit! Oh! 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 <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And then uh, here was a quick promo on the old QVC uh, network of which uh, she dominated. I think uh, Joan sold more product uh, through her persistence of constantly being there morning, noon, and night than any other person uh, that ever graced those airwaves. Hi, can we talk? Listen, this Saturday evening, I will be joining QVC to introduce my new classics collection of fashion jewelry. It's just beautiful, and you're going to love it. Yeah, you're going to love it. And then here she was making fun of her grandparents. Well, that's kind of difficult to do. All my friends, all my grandson, he is so gorgeous. They want him in a diaper and as a turd. And, and... <laughs> And then uh, (laughs) making fun uh, is just something that she constantly did, casting aspersions. And one of my favorite parts is when you go through all these phrases you hate, hooking up, my bad. Tell us why you hate the phrase, my bad. My bad. Hitler killed six million Jews, then he went, my bad, not good enough. Kim Kardashian, you know what I mean? Right. That, uh, I was at the wedding, and I caught the bouquet. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> yeah. First thing to catch from her that didn't need a shot of penicillin. I was... Thank God you're nice. <laughs> oh, boy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's... 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Karen in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here. Uh, yes, Curtis. Um, I just wanted to try to answer uh, the uh, musical um, song that you just played. Um, it sounds to me like it's Pink Floyd. Is that true? You couldn't be more hopelessly right. Because I saw them once uh, back in 70 at the Garden, and... Um, you know, I really enjoyed listening to them. I think that's when they had their animals um, tour, and there was this big, huge pig that was floating, you know, across the uh, room, and uh, <laughs> it was really awesome. So I said to myself, sounds like Pink Floyd. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, in fact, uh, at that concert, uh, they would constantly have that huge pink uh, pink pig. Yes. Just, uh, I mean, floating over. Now, some people were floating themselves because they were in a drug-induced psychosis having dropped acid. True. But, yeah, uh, I can imagine. I want you to identify this song as somebody who has gone to Pink Floyd concerts over the years. Let's see 
if you can connect the dots. Are you ready? Are you ready, Karen? Me? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Do you know the name of that song, Karen? Uh, no, I don't. I'm sorry, Curtis. <laughs> it's, it's been a while since I listened to Pink Floyd, but, you know, that, that one song that you played, you know, it did bring back memories. Ah, well, that's one of these days. But let's flip the script. Let's give her another opportunity here, Broadway Bill Lee. Um, if you can, 545, we're going to give you this final opportunity. You got one, you missed another. Okay. Here you go. Does that resonate with you yet, Karen? No, no. I'm sorry, Curtis. At this hour, I, I, I mean, I've been up since 7 o'clock yesterday morning, so I, I'm really tired right now. But, but Oh, just, but you, yeah, you can't go to sleep on me, Karen. Yeah, you can't love, go to I sleep. To you you got to be up to the break of dawn. You got to be up to the break of dawn. Who knows? Let's go to Eric. Let's see if Eric is a cognoscente on Pink Floyd. Eric, do you know what song this is on Pink is that, Floyd? Is that Gravy Train? Uh, I might have the wrong name of the song. I know, I know the song. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> Are you a Pink Floyd fan? I, I like them. I do like them. Yeah, yeah. I do like Pink Floyd. What <laughs> was it about Pink Floyd that attracted you to their genre of music? Oh, well, I just so many of the great, like, classic songs. Like, I like The Wall, you know, and uh, and it was a song from 87, what is it, When the Guy's Flying? Oh, my God, I'm blanking out. It's, it is too late. She was right. <laughs> a, qu- a question, though, Eric. Was yeah. it enhanced by you ingesting any particular <laughs> foreign substances? No, I, I was too young. I was too young then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how often would you play your Pink Floyd albums? <laughs> I had, well, I had, I, we, it was on the radio a lot, but I had one of their CDs, I forget which. Hmm. It was in the 87, yeah. Was that in your 8-track? <laughs> no, no, we had CDs and had, CDs had just come out, actually. Oh, oh, so you didn't have it in 8-track form, you no, had it in no. CD form. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really missed something by not having it in your 8-track. Well, I heard, I heard the sound's really good, like the original, uh, the original sound. Ah, and you cross your heart and hope to die that you, in fact, did not ingest any kind <laughs> of a item that might cause you to have a drug-induced psychosis. No, no, I was too young. I was born in the early seventies. So. That well, what? What difference is that? If you if you take it, if you want to get high, I don't care what year you were born in. Well, I smoked a little weed a long time ago. Yeah, I quit a few years ago, though. <laughs> uh, why, why is it I don't believe that? 
Why is it I don't believe that? So let's go to Ed in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ed. Yeah. Let's have a cigar. Yes, have a cigar. It's it's not the Cohiba that Frank Morano is smoking at 4 o'clock in the morning in his backyard uh, while he's drunk as a skunk from his full day of activity at his barbecue that... Our own Broadway Billy was not invited to, although Joe Causey, his partner at WCBS-FM, was, nor Avery. And I was invited at 1.57 Saturday afternoon, just an hour before I had to join Anthony Weiner, left versus right. What a disgraziate. Oh, that is so good. That's good. Let's flip to Deborah and Fort Lee. Near apartment 22H, where we know Swagger Man with no plan, Eric Adams lives. Your turn yeah, to be heard here, Deborah. Hi, uh, Curtis. Do you like that song Fearless by Pink Floyd? Fearless by Pink Floyd. It's a Floyd. really good song. Hmm. Uh, let's see if our master vinyl spinner here, on loan from WCBS, uh, Broadway Billy, can find that. Again, uh, can you okay. repeat your selection of Pink Floyd? Fearless. Fearless. It's fearless. It's a really good song. Mm. And what was it that attracted you to Pink Floyd initially? Uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Whoa. That album is the best. Oh, there's... Have you ever listened to it, the whole album? Uh, there's no doubt you are absolutely Jack Daly Squad correct, because yeah. when you get halfway through the album, if you haven't sort of intoxicated yourself to the point where you can't even see straight, <laughs> then you'll never subliminally, subliminally understand what is truly being defined by that record. What is it? Is it at the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> I think it was at the Adams house. What? Adams. Adams family house, right? You know, with Uncle uh, Fester and Lurch. Don't you ever remember watching the Adams family? Absolutely. I mean, uh, Uncle Fester. Think of it. Uncle Fester? Yeah, Uncle okay. Fester and then Lurch. I mean, these were people that sort of like so epitomized those that you grew up with in your life. Deborah, what high school did you go to? Uh, upstate New York. Oh, how many how, how many years did you do in that correctional facility? <laughs> oh, no, not me. Oh, come on. Listen, that's did you say... Curtis, did you see the documentary on Joan Rivers, A Piece of Work? Oh, no, but I understood that it was prime time. It was uh, top shelf five star. It was very good, actually. Mm. I learned a lot about her. What a woman she was. Ah, in what way? She was a real workaholic. She was determined. She was very smart. And she had a lot of things, the odds against her. Mm. Mm. She's oh. quite a woman. I, I'm so sad that she's gone. Mm. 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 Could you play more of her? Uh, say that again, please. Could you play more Joan Rivers? It's really interesting. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt whatsoever. How could we not? We had all testosterone yesterday. It's time yes. for us to get some estrogen. What happened to your all eye? Right. What happened? I scratched it on Al Roker's zipper. And it was just... <laughs> I 
I'm sure some of you out there are wondering if my breasts are real, okay? Let me just explain to you. This one is. This one isn't. Mmm. Mm. Is that enough of an hors d'oeuvre, Deborah? Yes. More, more, more. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, are you going to play the song Fearless? Fearless. Fearless. Yeah, well, yeah. you see, Broadway Bill Lee is having problems, Deborah, because he's trying to scratch his left cheek while he's looking for this song. And that's not going to work out, Broadway Billy. Would you give your full attention? Put your hands up on the table so that I know you're not self-pleasurizing yourself. Shine on your crazy diamond. Oh, shine on your crazy diamond. Another classic. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, come on. Come on, Broadway Billy. You didn't bring your A game. You left it with Joe Causey over at WCBS FM. You got to knock the rust off of you. You haven't played Pink Floyd in a month of Sundays. Oh, this is so good. This is so good, Deborah. What song? Dog. The uh, song Dogs from that uh, the Animals album. Whoa, whoa, a dog? Yeah, no, it's just called Dogs. Hmm, that's a little a little difficult. Uh, not totally no, no, impossible. Exactly. You probably know the song. It's a very good song. Oh, uh, yeah, you mean this is sort of like uh, going uh, as we used to at 12 midnight for the showing of Rocky Horror, where we would memorize the lines, we could m- mimic the lines, we would uh, mimic the dress, and go out there yes. and be a freakazoid. Yes, touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> right? that is so good. You're, you're so spot on. That's right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. What we say, we won't be banned in the USA.
show in Hollywood, those are 21 and older people. They had the police out there carding the people coming in the club, and they still arrested us for performing in the front of adults. What is this? Is this not America? This is not China. This is not Russia. This is not the place where they brought down the wall. This is America. We have the right to say what we want to say. We have the right to do what we want to do. And what I do in my house, you might not do in your house. So what I do in my house is my business. Damn and the right. simple fact of it all is that we are bonded by the First Amendment. We have the freedom of expression. We have the freedom of choice. And you, Chinese, black, green, purple, Jew, you have the right to listen to whoever you want to and even the two live crew, two live crew, two live crew. So all you right-wingers, left-wingers, bigots, Communists, there is a place for you in this world because this is the land of the free, the home of the brave, and two live is what we are. So pertinent to our discussion uh, in the wee hours of the morning. And remember, none of you are going to sleep because the next hour is the funniest hour in all the radio. Our phone uh, screener at nighttime producer Avery has spent an inordinate amount of time dissecting and bisecting the more than 20 hours. Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, has actually done here at WABC. And uh, I didn't... uh, detect many moments in which uh, you would have a belly laugh over a a joke you perceive to have been said by any of the work crews that my cousin uh, is responsible for dispatching and then collecting and going the whole nine yards. So we'll we'll leave them uh, on the side there and utilize their expertise should things go awry. But my feeling is... You're, you're in one corner in your turlet. I'm in the other corner in my turlet. And let's let's let the best guy or gal in the best uh, uh, shack where toilet facilities are available determine who will in the future lead and who will follow. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Well, I got to imagine that the annual barbecue at the Shea Murano, House of Murano on the south shore of Staten Island is over. But I can assure you that uh, Avery, our telephone screener and nighttime producer, was not invited. Broadway, Bill Lee, you were extricated from your partner over at WCBS-FM. Uh, you uh, 
were not invited, although Joe Corsi no. was. And uh, clearly, I wasn't invited until 1.57 on Saturday afternoon, an hour before I had to do Left versus Right with Anthony Weiner. And he used cover by sending a text to me and claiming, oh, oh, you know, if you wanted to drop by, feel free to drop by. You know that is a fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi way of basically uh, negating me. But now let's go to the funniest hour in all of radio anywhere in the nation featuring our own Avery as he has uh, bisected and dissected 20 hours of programming. And Frank uh, Frank Morano, the Mameluke, has been responsible for uh, in the uh, last, uh, well, under the electron microscope. Are you uh, prepared to... uh, Push it forward, Avery. Yours truly, the Frankster. Yeah, man. Go for it. All right, well, first of all, you know, I'm look, I'm listening to these clips, and I hear Frank talk about he loves sushi. And you know he's always rummaging through the refrigerator trying to steal people's sushi the way they leave. He's always checking to see if people, somebody's name is on the sushi so he has permission to eat it, even though he knows it's not his. Well, he dives deeper into his love for sushi. I am not able to go to all-you-can-eat sushi buffets for two reasons. One, because I have put so many of them out of business. <laughs> and when you when you have me cross the threshold of an all-you-can-eat sushi buffet, the owner has to immediately basically file for bankruptcy because there's no way that they can keep up with how much sushi I'm going to consume in that sitting when there's no limit on doing so for $30 or for $40 or whatever it happens to be. Now, look, man. Frank, I got to admit, if I had a restaurant, Frank would get past me the first time because he just don't <laughs> look like he can do all that damage. Like He would have to get me a good, a good one or two times before I take him seriously. So he might actually bankrupt me. <laughs> but just off, just off of looking at him, this little guy walks in. I don't think he can consume that much sushi as he's as he's saying he can. But he says that he gains weight eating sushi. I am not able to go to all you can eat sushi buffets for two reasons. <laughs> One, because I have put so many of them out of business. And when you when you have me cross the threshold of an all-you-can-eat sushi buffet, the owner has to immediately basically file for bankruptcy because there's no way that they can keep up with how much sushi I'm going to consume in that sitting when there's no limit on doing so for $30 or for $40 or whatever it happens to be. Wait a second. He doesn't know for $30 or $40? I don't know. I don't know about that one. Yeah, go to the next one because this is when he gets into his weight gain. Yeah, well, he's got to go to uh, Tokyo where I have Guardian Angels and they have little Lionel trains that go round and round with the plates and uh, they keep putting sushi on it and you keep picking it off there and eating it and eating it and eating it until you actually look like uh, sushi and sashimi. I am completely unable to control myself when it comes to Japanese food. So I will put on an enormous amount of weight mm. just <laughs> eating pounds of sushi. Pounds of sushi. <laughs> Look, man, <laughs> and, and with, on, with, on with this information, how can anybody ever bring sushi into this building? Mm. That's what I want to know. Mm. 
How could you ever bring Sushi into this building if he like he's basically admitting to being a baby seal? Uh. <laughs> like how? How can, who loves sushi that much? I mean, I like sushi, but I don't love it that much. By the way, what is his favorite uh, TV program uh, now? Cable program. Oh, Ted Lasso. Oh, well, he was crying in bed with Rachel, I guess, over the finale. I finally did it. My wife and I finished, I think, watching the season finale and potentially the series finale of Ted Lasso. And I have to tell you, this is maybe my favorite show on television currently. This show somehow always managed to give us exactly what we needed. I found this show, um, as a whole, very funny, but also it. I think almost every episode of this past season, I found myself crying. My wife and I watched the finale. We were both in tears, both in tears. Wait a second. Man, this, this, That's a little weird. I'm so glad this show is over because I'm tired of hearing about him and his wife sitting in the bed in tears, crying about this thing, and then and then when they were finally done, Frank put his leather hood back on and she and she handcuffed him back to the radiator. <laughs> and then he talked about inheritance. He says he doesn't want Jack to at least squat an inheritance. I have told all my siblings. That if, uh, you know, we have the same father, different mothers. I have always told my siblings that when our father dies, I am not expecting a cent. And you are welcome to um, to every bit of whatever money he has. And uh, I've said the same thing under different situations yeah, with my right. mother. I'm not looking for any money <laughs> from anybody. Yeah. Now, if you believe that, raise your hand. Frank, 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 want to catch him off guard with like three lawyers at the at the funeral. Yeah, but but he's always shilling for Shimoli's on his show. That's why I'm telling you, he's lying. He's gonna he want to catch him by surprise, so uh, he has representation and and they don't. Uh, uh, mm, mm. Anyway, uh, uh, I guess we get in uh, into a fracas involving Carmine. He knows how to say no, right? So when I ask him about things, he has no problem telling me or his mother what he doesn't want to do. Here's a sample of a typical conversation with, uh, with young Carmine. Tell us, Frank. Do you want to go upstairs? <laughs> do you want to have something to eat? <laughs> do you want to go to bed? Derivative. Do you want to take a bath? Do you want to go outside? Do you want to go to bed? Do you want to watch television? Do you want to go have dinner? Yeah, oops, oopsie. <laughs> Frank, only Frank will record an interview with his son and drop his son on his head during the interview. <laughs> And then leave it on. <laughs> and then leave it on the interview. Hey, oh, Car- Carmine's still mad about that, so I had to call mm, Carmine mm, back mm. and interview him some more. Carmine, are you there? <laughs> okay. Carmine, is Frank's show good? <laughs> is 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 Frank really funny, or is he just pretending to be that way? <laughs> uh, Carmine, when you grow up, do you want to be exactly like your father? Hell no. Oh, shoot. Oh, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) He grew up. He grew up up for that one.
And then he talked about a full ride involving a sports scholarship. The argument always goes that they're getting a free college education, which is quite valuable. And if you get one of these uh, college scholarships, even if you get hurt or something along those lines, my understanding is you still get that scholarship, even if you're injured, if they offer it to you under those circumstances. So they are getting something of value. Uh, your understanding would be wrong, Frank. That is not how it works. <laughs> Scholarships are one-year renewable. If you don't perform like they want you to, you're out of there. <laughs> if you get hurt and they don't see the potential in you, you're out of there. If Division One sports are, is a business like any other, you're wrong again. Wrong again, Murano. Man, <laughs> wrong again, Murano. I love that. Wrong I love again. that. And then he talked about being carded. You know, when I was 17, I would go to any bar in in New York or wherever else. I wouldn't get ID'd once because you just carry yourself with a, such a presence that no one would think that you're, you're you're underage. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> Frank, Frank is 5'4", about 5'5 now. So he's 17, young. Walking around and nobody cards him, Curtis, in Jersey or New York. He gets in and he gets into any bar, any club because the way he carries himself. I find that difficult to believe. Difficult. I really do. It's a lie. He they card him now. Mm. He, he can't walk into a to a bar now without getting carded. Mm. 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 <laughs> come on, Frank. You, how you expect us to believe that? Anyway, uh, he gets into the sweet spot of yours truly, Citizen's Arrest. I used to see the people selling bootleg DVDs, and it used to drive me crazy because for a variety of reasons. And I used to take video of them and interview them live on social media saying, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you breaking the law? Don't you know this is illegal? Now, what if the penalty for that, and I don't know what it is, but what if the penalty for selling bootleg DVDs is a $100 fine and I, thinking I'm doing a public service, put that person under a citizen's arrest with handcuffs. Hey Frank, man, why are you why are you bothering the bootleg DVDs? <laughs> that's the that's the scourge of society. He ran past two people getting mugged. He ran past a corner where they're dealing drugs, and he wanted to deal and he wanted to go after the bootleg DVDs. Come on, Frank, if you really want to get into something, you know you could you know where the crime is. And if you don't, you know Curtis can help you out. That's right. He doesn't refer to me. I'm I'm the number one vigilante in the world. They the did number a, one. a documentary called Vigilante. I know the arguments up way, sideways, every which way. But no, he's so pretentious. He's so omnipotent. Yeah, he wants to fight crime. You can point him in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wants to make a citizen's arrest before it becomes illegal. I'm actually thinking that if this is close to being made illegal, I better go out and commit some citizen's arrests while this is still permitted. Because let's say they get a deal on this by the end of the legislative session and the governor signs it. I will have lived my whole life in New York never having committed a citizen's arrest. I'm going to go start going out, doing a little patrolling in maybe some high crime areas and start making some citizen arrests. <laughs> hey, let me let me let me speak for all the high crime areas. Bring it. <laughs> Come on, Murano. Come on. Hey, Curtis, this is another thing you can help him out with, right? Oh man. I mean, if he really wanted, you could really help him out there. That's that's for sure. But he's so low budget. He's <laughs> JV. He's not ready for prime time. If it wasn't for Carmine, right? That's right.
If it wasn't for Carmine. Well, he used, he uses Carmine <laughs> as as sort of the hook for everything. Everything. Man, there is Carmine. Let me hear Carmine again. <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, okay. Car- hey, hey, Carmine, does your dad really want to fight crime? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carmine. Hell no. <laughs> By the way, uh, here's uh, Mark Simone, who's... Uh, well, apparently he would not shake Frank Morano's hand. Who is John sitting next to? He's oh. sitting next to Mark Simone. <laughs> Mark is sitting right next to John, like inches away. So I turn to Mark after I say hello to John, because it would have been awkward not to say anything. I turn to Mark. I said, uh, I said, hi, Mark. How are you? And I stick out my hand to shake hands with him. He doesn't shake my hand. So I'm standing there like a mental patient with my hand in the air. And he's refusing to shake it, and he just says, how you doing? <laughs> and uh, I said, all right. And then John is trying to kind of be a little playful and mm. kind of be a little bit of a peacemaker, mm. saying, how many years has it been since you guys talked with one another? Meanwhile, Mark introduced me to John um, when when we were doing that uh, Saturday Night Oldies show together. So uh, but Mark didn't react. He just sat there. <laughs> hey, you know John want to see a fight. <laughs> you are a real low life. <laughs> he's, he's sitting there with his hand out like a schmuck in front of John. John trying not to laugh. You in a room full of your peers, Frankie. You can't even get a handshake at your own table with, with your boss sitting right there. And yet he continued to trash Mark Simone. You know, I almost feel bad for Mark because <laughs> my sense is, you see, on the air... He comes across as so warm and engaging and charming. But off the air, I I almost think there's some sort of, I'm hesitant to call it Asperger's, (laughs) but I think he may have some sort of an issue where off air and when he's not public speaking, he has a very difficult time. And I saw this even when we were friendly. Oh, really? He would have a very difficult time interacting with people. But on the air, it's it's like flipping a switch. Oh. He is. He goes from, you know, Doctor Jekyll to Mister Simone. But um, so I'm not going to say anything bad about about Mark. And that's the kiss of death. Screw you. That's the kiss of death. When Frank said he's not going to say anything bad about you, buckle up. Oh yeah. He didn't want to shake my hand, so now he's autistic. <laughs> I feel bad for Mark Simone. Why? Uh, because he just embarrassed you in front of your boss <laughs> in a room full of people. Is that why you feel bad? You. <laughs> now he's autistic. Oh yeah. And now he, and now he got mental problems because he don't want to shake your hand. That's for sure. Our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of seventy seven WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Is it too late now to say sorry? Cause I'm missing more than just your body. Oh, is it too late now to say sorry? Yeah, I know that I let you down. Is it too late to say sorry now? I'm sorry. Sorry. Is it too late? Well, Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, could say sorry for dissing and dismissing Broadway Bill Lee for not inviting him to the barbecue or Avery or inviting me on uh, 
Saturday at 1.57 in the afternoon texting me, oh, well, here's the address if you could drop by, knowing that I had to do the show with Anthony Weiner from 3 to 4, left versus right. Man, that was low budget. But anyway, let's get back to the diss and dismiss of Frank Morano by Avery. It had to do with uh, apparently Frank feeling like he's missed the big stuff. Who does he think he is trashing Meet the Press? Yesterday was the end of an era in political journalism. Chuck Todd, the longtime anchor of NBC's Meet the Press for almost a decade, announced at the end of yesterday's show that he is departing as the moderator of the longest-running program in TV history this September. The way Meet the Press is now, I find it almost useless in the cable news era, (laughs) in the era of five other Sunday shows. I don't think Meet the Press is playing an important role in political journalism at all, quite frankly. I find it to be almost totally inconsequential. I don't see what they're adding to the equation, and I'm not trying to disparage the oh, work that oh Chuck Todd and the other people at the press have done. Of course, but I don't are. see what that. they've done at all that has proven that they need to still be here. Oh, God. oh man! And right. then, and then he goes, he goes after Chuck Todd himself. There's no holding him back now. The show, I think, under Chuck Todd, and it's not a criticism of him because I've heard him Uh on the radio. Oh, boy. I've even read one of his books. The guy is a smart guy, but that intellect has absolutely not been on display over the last (laughs) nine years. I think, again, he seems like a nice guy, and I know people that know him, and they say he is a nice guy. I think he's done an atrocious job over the last nine years, and I think that's reflected in the ratings. So I uh, will give this show another chance once it starts with its new host, Christian Walker. But I don't know what show, and and I wouldn't want anybody to criticize me this way. Of course not. But I don't know what show (laughs) Chuck Todd was describing because it's not the one that he's been hosting for the last nine years. Frank always criticizes shows 18 million times more popular than his. But he doesn't want to reflect on it personally. It's not personal. His MO is always to kick them when they are down. Man. I mean, as soon as you get fired or you quit, Woo. Frank gets out. He goes in on you. Mm. And, mm. and then he says, oh, well, I don't want nobody talking about me like this. Oh, and by the way, talking uh, about him, comparing him to Tucker Carlson. I got a very good compliment from a friend of mine, my friend Frank Floridia. He's very accomplished, very respected professional in his field. And he said to me, you know, Frank, I actually feel like you were Tucker Carlson before Tucker Carlson. What? (laughs) Tucker Carlson was still going around uh, trying to do cable news everyone else's way for years. You, at that same time, were stoking that same sort of populist discontent. What? Questioning the narratives of both parties, questioning everything that you were hearing about cable news. And he said, Frank said, I think one of the reasons your show is so popular and Tucker's show is so popular (laughs) is kind of the rest of the world has now caught up with you. Oh, my God. You did all that, Frank, and it flew over everybody's head because everybody missed it. Let me tell you something, Frank Morano. (laughs) I I knew Tucker Carlson, and you were never a Tucker Carlson. Look, man, just a small difference between you and Tucker Carlson. (laughs) Tens of millions of fans (laughs) and tens of millions of dollars. If it wasn't for that, y'all would be the same. Oh, then, then he talks about Chris Hansen asking adults with kid friends to come forward to catch a predator. 
I would love to hear from you in terms of your own experiences in having mixed age friendships. If you're 60 and you're friends with a 90-year-old and a 12-year-old, I'd love to hear about it. Okay, Frank. If you, um, when you were in college, your best friends were a 6th grader and a 75-year-old retiree, I want to hear about it. Because that was me. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It feels like an episode of To Catch a Predator. This feels like as soon as you admit it, Chris Harris is walking around the corner with the sheriff. (laughs) Yeah. I got to hear that again. He wants you to admit it. To hear from you. Yes. In terms of your own experiences in having mixed age friendships. Mixed age friendships. If you're 60 and you're friends with a 90 year old and a 12 year old, I'd love to hear that. If you, um, when you were in college, your best friends were a sixth grader and a 75 year old retiree, I want to hear about it because that was me. Oh, that was you. <laughs> that was you? That, that, a lot is making sense uh, now, Frank. So if, if you're 60 and you have a 12-year-old over for lunch every day, let me know. Admit it on the air. Speaking of uh, having somebody over for lunch, he felt so bad the other day when the illegal aliens came over, you know, the day laborers, to do some landscaping on Shea Murano. My heart goes out to the people that were outside working yesterday i saw our landscaping guys out there working and they're working hard and i think a lot of them were wearing masks but still and they did they were out there all day and my heart really goes out to those folks and the sanitation folks and the verizon folks and everyone that uh, doesn't have the luxury of working indoors in a climate controlled environment with an air purifier like i do it really makes you it gives you an appreciation for what work is well frank yeah well why don't you just send them home for the day <laughs> i mean they were they're working on your yard and, and and the sky is orange and the sky is on fire and everything's your lungs are burning no you you better not stop hedging those bushes <laughs> you better not stop cutting that grass but i feel for you i feel so sorry for you but you better not stop my heart goes out to you, but you better not stop. <laughs> I'm calling immigration if you stop. But my heart feels, I feel so bad for you. I, I can't stand to be out here for five seconds, but you keep going. I'll watch, I'll watch from the curtains. Oh, man. Remember, they had to get the landscaping done before the barbecue <laughs> on Saturday. I feel for him, Curtis. Curtis, oh, a, a single tear rolls down my cheek when I watch him. From the, from inside my house with the air purifier. But you better not stop. That's all I know. I know you better not stop or it's going to be some trouble. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's talking about hiring a griller for the barbecue that he didn't invite us to. I booked, I hired someone to help grill on Saturday because there's nothing worse than when you're hosting a barbecue that you really can't talk to anyone that comes. I gave this barbecue server, a, well, the, the company that they work with, a, a $90 deposit. So if we cancel this barbecue, I don't see us getting that back. So I don't know what we'll do. Maybe, <laughs> this is bad to think, but maybe if they don't want to give me the deposit back, I'll make uh, who, the guy who was going to grill stay outside in our backyard <laughs> and grill while there's a select group of neighbors that stays inside oh, indoors. With the, because, all right, okay, you could give me the deposit back or 
I can pay you, and you can stay outside and take your chances with the smoke. Wow, that is hardcore. This is your father, Carmine. He, got, <laughs> he would let somebody get black lung over $90. <laughs> <laughs> and Carmine, did you know your father was capable of this? <laughs> did you know your father would let somebody almost die out there cooking burgers for him for $90? For $90? Carmine. <laughs> <laughs> and you better not stop. You better not stop grilling. His heart goes out for him too, Curtis. My heart goes out know. to him. Look at him grilling those burgers. I can't even see him. The sky is so black. The poor guy's gonna have to have an iron lung. An iron lung. But you better not stop. Oh, you better. You better he, he gonna bring out a whole another tray of sausage for him to cook. God. <laughs> Frank and all his and all his friends are inside watching the guy outside grill. Man, I feel for that guy, but he, uh, but he better not stop. No, no, not at all. Man. I will cane you if you stop. <laughs> <laughs> or give me my $90 back. Oh, oh God. Frank Morano. That's my man, Frank. <sighs> then he's talking about some woman named Stella. Who the hell is Stella? The uh, designer Stella McCartney, the ex-wife of uh, Paul McCartney caused all sorts of headlines by detailing her low-clothes cleaning habits. She told The Guardian, basically in life, rule of thumb, if you don't absolutely have to clean anything, don't clean it. Uh, Frank, first of all, that's his daughter, not his wife. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, would be, that would be his daughter. Wow. I mean, Frank, I mean, look, a little research, man. A little research goes a long way here. Mm. A little research goes a long way. Do you, you think he's willing to correct himself? I want to um, correct something I said a couple of minutes ago. I, I mentioned that uh, Stella McCartney is the ex-wife of um, Paul McCartney. Apparently, Apparently, I was incorrect. <laughs> I misspoke. That's what I get for freewheeling and not looking things up. Thank you. That uh, is the daughter thank you for that. Thank you for admitting it. Thank you for that, Martin Smith. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for admitting that you don't look stuff up, Frank. That's the first step. Now, he does this all the time. That's the first step. Curtis, he's making he's making some progress, Curtis. I know, but still, he does this all the all time. All the time. This is the first time he actually admitted, I just say stuff and I don't look it up. And then he's hoping that nobody will call him out. But when they finally do, he has he doesn't fess up no. and apologize. He throws a hissy fit and, and, and attacks their grammar. Look at the way this is spelled. Oh, look at the grammar in this letter. But the, either either that or he sends you out to grill. Yeah. <laughs> I see somebody else is going to be grilling. <laughs> You're going to be grilling or, or cutting my grass. Oh, uh, and then the love of his life, Tulsi. That was his that was his favorite. There were a lot of speakers at this rally in DC that I actually really liked. Uh, obviously chief among them is uh Tulsi Gabbard. Man, Frank, I said it before and I'll say it again. She deserves some happiness. <laughs> Just leave her alone, man. <laughs> leave her alone. I mean, the, the I mean, the order of protection didn't work. She got she got a her, her, she got a cousin to come visit you. That didn't work. She just wants to be left alone. She now, wants now, she wants to live her now, life. Now, who do we think that he adores more, Shatner or Tulsi Gabbard? Oh, oh. Shoot. Ooh, ooh, this is difficult. It's That's difficult, tough. man. That's tough, man. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard, lady in white, remember, with that little streak in his hair. Frank is so obsessed with Tulsi Gabbard. 
that he actually has the same streak in his hair. I might say Tulsi, man. Mm. I might say Tulsi just because, I mean, the, it, he, he, he can have a relationship with her that he can't have with Shatner, I'm assuming. Well, let's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming. Yeah. I, Don't make that assumption. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt on that one for now, Frank. Oh, my for God. Now. Oh, my God. And then, you naturally... You when you get punched in the face at times. I mentioned uh, Shatner, so you know what's up next. Of course, it's William Shatner, his favorite. The Shatner aspect of it is terrific. He's great. He is, he sounds great. He looks great. His, the way he motions to the camera the is he perfect. To the camera. He's perfect for this show. The rest of the show is honestly pretty much like a standard reality show. It's pretty much like Survivor. Mm. But for me, the, I wouldn't watch it if it was a host other than, um, other than Shatner in all likelihood. Wow. Oh, my goodness. This guy's a devotee you of shit. Yeah, come on. They're taking it too far. Man, he come on, great. Frank. He looks great. He acts great. He does great. He The way he motions to the camera is great. Mm, mm, what mm. is that? And come on, Frank. You're going too far now, especially mm. since he dropped you like a hot plate. Oh, yeah. Oh, like a yeah. complete hot plate. He wouldn't even let you work for him for free. Ooh, And you still stay loyal to him. That's I mean, that is, that is loyalty, Frank. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. You know, I understand that he was tying yellow ribbons around the trees on his property line out there for the barbecue. His annual barbecue out at Shea Morano that once again he did not invite Broadway Bill Lee to or Avery or even yours truly until the very last minute. But anyway, uh, <laughs> he, he said, he asked, at least a caller asked, would he leave, I guess, his relationship for $5 million. Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Hey, Frank. Let's say you get a call from WOR, and they say, you know, Frank, you did so much with this show. We have nothing on the air that even comes near you. Your panache is just something that we really want. And we know you're loyal to John Castamitidis, but we'd like to offer you $5 million with a five-year guarantee contract. And we know you can't do it alone, so we'd like you to bring Matt Blaze with you. We're going to give him a million a year for five years. And... Uh, your phone operators, we're going to bring them, we're going to give them a half a million a year for five years. Now, even though you don't want to chase the money, Frank, and you're loyal to John Castamitidis, what would you do, Frank? Hmm. What would he do? That is a question that absolutely nobody has to ask because everybody knows he would be out of here oh. in two flat Second. Man, he'd be jumping ship like there was no tomorrow. No tomorrow. I, um, you know, I would talk to John uh, about that. Maybe he would uh, give me that much money and see an opportunity there. <laughs> or maybe he would say, hey, I want what's best for you. Go ahead and do it. But let's say he said, no, I'm not going to give you $5 million and um, I want you to still stay. Then absolutely, I would still stay. 
That is a bold faced lie. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I, I would like to believe that Cass would laugh you out of the office oh, if totally, you went and asked totally. him for five million a year. He should. So that's we know that's happening. Wow. So and then you would you would stay and and pass up that money and ruin Blaze's life and kids' life. A <laughs> 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 <Hey>, carbine. <laughs> Do you think your father's <laughs> capable of turning down twenty five million dollars because or because Hell of friendship? No. <laughs> twenty five five million a year, Curtis. If 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 Cash shuts it down, he goes, Okay, I owe you. Come on. Yeah, come on, Frank. Come on, Frank. Oh, but and then he accuses me of shtick. And that's one of the things I miss in the current media environment. Now that you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want to watch it, there are no more media wars. That's one of the reasons I like my friend Sid Rosenberg so much. He at least is willing to mix it up with people once in a while. Even if it's just even if it's just shtick. Curtis, too, but Curtis is just all shtick. Sid, you kind of get the sense, oh, well, is that feud with Chris Cuomo real? Is that feud with Greg Kelly real? And you kind of don't know. Man, Curtis, come on, man. Every, he, he, he's going at you weekly now. What is this? He accuses oh. me of all shtick. Oh, Curtis. Uh, Curtis. Uh, man. He accused you of being not genuine. Mm. And oh. then, then he goes at uh, the caller who said he sounds hungover and tired, which, let's face it, that's half of the time with Frank. Yes. By importing hippopotamuses. Hippopotamuses? Hippopotami? Hippopotamuses. This is from James <laughs> King from yesterday. <laughs> Assume it was yesterday. Um, he writes, are you hungover or tired? You sound both. Well, I mean, that's not very nice. Well, doesn't he? Yeah, it's not nice, but it's accurate. Exactly. Accur- and- accuracy trumps nice. And <laughs> I noticed he had a difficult time with the hippopotamus uh, name. By importing hippopotamuses. Hippopotamuses? Hippopotami? Hippopotamuses. Hippos that would be killed to make Lake Cow Bacon. That's what they were going to call this. You slaughter the hippo, and instead of regular bacon, you make Lake Cow Bacon. Well, once again, I have to remind the people. I find myself having to do this more and more, Curtis. Mm. This is not a public access show. Mm. This is a real syndicated Mm. show. And he's sitting up there trying to figure out how to pronounce the mm. plural of hippopotamus. By importing hippopotamuses. Hippopotamuses? Hippopotami? Hippopotamuses. Hippopotami. Uh, uh, and, let me, and, let me, and let me say this, Curtis. Both forms are accepted. He went with the third form that is not accepted. By importing hippopotamuses. That's, that's accepted. Hippopotami? That's accepted. Hippopotamuses. Hippopotami. Hippopotamuses. Uh, hippos. Hippos is the wrong answer. Killed. He had a thirty. He had a thirty. A sixty-six percent chance of being right, and he picked the <laughs> wrong one. And then, speaking of right, he was challenged to do push-ups. Frank, you look like you have lost a little bit of weight of late. I'm curious how physically fit you are. Uh, can you do seventeen push-ups right now? And I'm a little reluctant to do this because I'm not sure the last time I did 17 push-ups. And also, I don't want to try and fail. But I figure, how much of a chicken am I if I don't at least try? So 
Kenneth is here. Of you course, Kenneth is there. You know, why can't we just say that I did the exactly, Frank. since it's oh, radio? Oh, man, come no on. No. Exactly. Can we do that? It's a radio show, Frank. Just say you did it, and you don't have to do it. Who can see you? You're not on television. Mm, Who mm, would do this? Mm, Why, Frank? Mm, hey, Curtis, I, I thought about you the whole time when I heard when I when I heard this. When I, I was like, "What is he doing? Yeah, what is this guy no, doing? He's, he's trying to sabotage me. That's what, what? he's trying to do. <laughs> Sabotage. What is going on in that place <laughs> that he got kids? He got kids watching him do push-ups. Well, you can tell Kenneth's back, ladies and gentlemen. Second oh, caller of the night, you can tell Kenneth hey, is back. Hey, Kenneth, I'm going to take off my shirt so I can do him better. <laughs> no, Frank, I swear, if you do that, I'm out. Oh, man. And, and I can't believe what comes next. What, push-ups? So you'll count each one off, okay? Here we go. All right. Listen to these two. All right, he's getting down. All right. One. One. Two, three, four. This is not public access, five, people. Six, seven, eight, nine. This is counting, counting 10, on the air. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, ladies and gents. All right, well. <laughs> was not, not the easiest no. thing I've done. In Listen a while. to him when um, he gets up. Hey, uh, by the way, you know who I heard wow. from yesterday? Uh, I know I, um, boy, am I glad. You I can't complete a thought. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Uh, I think that was Mike. Hey, Curtis. Oh. Uh, here's, the, here's the second layer to that. Where in there can you do, can a grown human being do 17 push-ups? There's no room. Frank is doing 17 push-ups under the council. <laughs> Frank, is, Frank is like a 12-year-old. <laughs> How can you do push-ups in there? I'm looking around in the studio. There's no room. Where can you do it? I'm like, where is he? Mm. Mm. And Frank, Frank, Frank belted out 17 of them. I'm like, where is he? Yeah, but this idiot just did 17 push-ups in the studio. He's out of breath. Uh, he's not fit, and he wants to continue. Curtis has some really high-end voice doctor special. So you'll count each one off, okay? Here we go. All right. All right, he's getting down. All right. One. One. Two. <laughs> <laughs> this is radio? This is radio. Doing push-ups? Doing push-ups and counting to 17. God. Count, and I don't know what's so special about 17. Now, you know this sounds very homoerotic. I mean, there's there's Kenneth there. Yeah, Kenneth there. Kenneth, watch me do push-ups. He's got a fascination <laughs> with Kenneth. <laughs> well, he's setting it up because he wanted to see Kenneth do push-ups, so he went first. Mm. Mm. <laughs> All right, so last last week I went. Now it's your turn. No, no, no. It it, it sounds really strange. It is very strange. Was he in his BVDs at the time he did that? Very, very strange. He, matter of fact, he turned the cameras off when he did it. Woo, woo. He turned the cameras off when he did it. This is very strange. And I'm like, is he going to do these push-ups? Why would he do these push-ups? Where can he do these push-ups? There's a lot of questions there. And, by the way, he says he'll answer any question, anytime, any place, anywhere. But not his age. But, hey, if you want to ask him when he was looking at Girly Girly magazines or Big Butt magazines, he's more than happy to tell you.
has um hello jp hi frank um i was going to ask you when you were a young man who was your favorite magazine uh playboy penthouse or hustler i um i didn't when I, how young are we talking uh 16, 18, uh, you know. Yeah, I would say Playboy, uh, not only because I enjoyed a lot of the photography and the artwork, but I really enjoy the what? articles and the interviews. Back when I was a young man, there was wonderful journalism crazy, right? in Playboy. So it was really a five-star <laughs> magazine. You yeah. got to see um, you got to see great artwork. You got to see wonderful advice about mixed drinks, how to make the perfect martini. There were jokes in there. There were cartoons. So out of the ones that you mentioned, I would definitely pick Playboy. Penthouse and Hustler was just pornography. That's really. what you're looking well, for. I never 14. reviewed Playboy as uh, as pornography. He was looking for the art. He's looking for the artwork in Playboy magazine. <laughs> He's a teenager looking for the artwork oh and the articles God. and how to make and how to make a martini. I want to see some chicks. <laughs> <laughs> what? Penthouse, penthouse? Oh no! It's just naked girls in there. See, uh-uh. I, I was able to determine what kind of olives to put in my martini. <laughs> At fifteen, I'm like, "What are you doing? I want to see the girls." All that's wasted pages. Oh, all, all that other man. He's the only guy who says he reads Playboy for the articles, and I believe him. Yes, and, yes. and that's not a good thing. And Ooh. for that, Frank, hit the button, Bill. Hmm. I can't believe you. Well, he uh, finishes off by talking about all the guests for his barbecue that we were not invited to. Let's let's run it down that. Broadway Billy, no invitation again. Second year in a row. Avery, no invitation for you. Second year in a row. For me, at the very last second, at 1.57 on Saturday, knowing that in an hour I had to appear with Anthony Weiner, left versus right, he texts me. This is the address we're at. Uh, you feel free to come over. You, you know, you could stop by. Bull, bull feathers, bull feathers. Bull. So here are the people. Uh, you know, it's almost like he's got a, 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 rotis- a rotisserie of different people he invited to his barbecue. I got an SMS text message yesterday. If you want to send me an SMS text message, you can do so at 8168-MORANO. An SMS text message that said, are you still having the barbecue June 10th? If yes, how do I get invited? Now, I'm I'm looking. It's not a number that I have saved. So I write back. I said, I'm sorry. Who is this? He says, Kevin from Edison. Is this Frank Morano from the other side of midnight? Now, again, this is not somebody that I know. I, I thought I didn't save their number properly when I transitioned to a new phone. Let me stress. I do a lot of listener events that I invite everybody to. Please do not show up to this barbecue on Saturday. Thank you. This guy might be. Wait a minute. This guy might be black. Wait a minute. I can't. I don't recognize his phone call. I can't tell him to come because oh he might be black. God. He gave him. A friend gave him a quick black quiz. He was mm. like, "Who's mm. the father from Good Times? Mm. <laughs> like, who, what was George Jefferson's son's name? <laughs> Lionel? Nope. You can't come. No, you can't come. It's full." No, no, no more room at the end. Sorry. Wow. Now, I'm, I, like, he's screening people from coming to his from coming to his show. That is ridiculous, Frank. Totally. You totally. got you got your listeners. You got this. But you know, um, you know they play at you, you know they play at barbecues. Mm. 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 Oh, mm. I wish I were an Oscar Mayer, Frank. 
That is what I truly like to be. For if I were an Oscar Mayer Frank, everyone would be in love with me. Oh, I'd be so savory and oh, so fine. Good job. With the flavor that's truly divine. Yep. I'd be juicy, plump, and oh, oh so God. grand. <laughs> the tastiest Frank in all the land. The tastiest. The tastiest. Oh, I'm glad I'm an Oscar Mayer Frank. Stop. Stop. That's what I'd really love to be. Because if I were an Oscar Mayer Frank, everyone would be in love with me. Now... Oh, God. That is what I really like how many of those you barbecue at your, at your event, Frank? How many, how many did you throw on the grill? Uh, the tastiest Frank in all the land. The tastiest, Frank. That's the tastiest. I'd be juicy, plump, and oh, so grand. Uh, Frank, it's, it's apropos that, that you threw a barbecue because you are the plumpest and tastiest Frank in the land. The tastiest Frank oh, in all the land. Oscar Mayer wieners are all meat. All, all meat. good meat. Rich in complete meat protein. Mildly seasoned to bring out all the good meat flavor. Mildly seasoned, Frank. I'd be juicy, plump, and oh so grand. My man, Frank. Uh, it's it's all right. Frank in all the land. It's all right we didn't get invited to your barbecue. Oh. I hope you had a great time, man. I hope it went off well, man. <laughs> I hope it went off well. He didn't he didn't want he didn't want you again, again Avery. I didn't pass the paper bag test. He, <laughs> I didn't pass the glass of milk test. <laughs> hey Frank, what if I jumped in what if I jumped in a vat of heavy cream? <laughs> All right, what if, what, if, what if I jumped in a, in a gallon of paint? All right, Frank, what if I apologize for every for every show we ever did? I, 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 can't, I can't win with him. I can't win, Curtis. Uh, and there's little cameo appearance by little Carmine there. I, I, hey, Carmine, I can, I, can I come if I ask you? Hell no. <laughs> like father, like son. <laughs> Frank the Mamaluke Marana, what have you done? You're like Dr. Frankenstein. You've created another Frankenstein. This time, you, your little uh, friends. Oh, my hey, God. I don't want no problems with you, Carmine. <sighs> oh, man. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as promised, you got the biggest belly laugh that you could in listening to any program up or down the dial on the AM dial. Or any other dial. That's what it is. Avery spends an inordinate amount of time trying to find all these cuts that are made uh, in the 20 hours. And Frank Morano is on from 1 to 5, Monday through Fridays. And Kevin, he finds them. And as a result, Avery has brought to us the funniest hour once again in all the radio. On the weekend, take a journey. With the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. 
We talked about Napoleon exiled to the island of Elba. And it seems that former President Donald Trump, they're trying to exile to Mar-a-Lago, where it almost will be like, uh, almost like home incarceration, except he'll get to play golf like he was playing at Bedminster earlier on Friday with who? Andrew Giuliani. That's why you're going to be wanting to listen to Andrew Giuliani on uh, Sunday. His program is 2 to 3. And then a special program with Roger Stone that follows. He knows where all the political bones are buried and who buried him. He is a political hitman extraordinaire going back to the days of Richard Nixon. He's got a tattoo of Richard Nixon right on his back. And I believe one of Mike Tyson, I think. I'm not quite sure the Mike Tyson one, but definitely the Richard Nixon one. Wow. You know Andrew's going to have a lot to say on his program about playing golf with Donald Trump the day after he found out he was being indicted on 37 charges. 37 charges by the special count counsel. Jack Smith, originally from the Eastern District of New York, which encompassed Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island. And uh, this is what he had to say. How short, how truncated, and he wasn't going to take any questions. Good afternoon. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. This indictment was voted by a grand jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. And I invite everyone to read it in full, to understand the scope and the gravity of the crimes charged. The men and women of the United States intelligence community and our armed forces dedicate their lives to protecting our nation and its people. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical to the safety and security of the United States, and they must be enforced. Violations of those laws put our country at risk. Adherence to the rule of law is a bedrock principle of the Department of Justice, and our nation's commitment to the rule of law sets an example for the world. We have one set of laws in this country and they apply to everyone. Applying those laws, collecting facts, that's what determines the outcome of an investigation. Nothing more and nothing less. The prosecutors in my office are among the most talented and experienced in the Department of Justice. They have investigated this case hewing to the highest ethical standards, and they will continue to do so as this case proceeds. It's very important for me to note that the defendants in this case must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. To that end, my office will seek a speedy trial in this matter, consistent with the public interest and the rights of the accused. We very much look forward to presenting our case to a jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. In conclusion, I would like to thank the dedicated public servants of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, 
with whom my office is conducting this investigation and who work tirelessly every day upholding the rule of law in our country. I'm deeply proud to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Thank you very much. Oh, please. Two minutes, right? No questions. No questions. We pay for these special prosecutors, right? We pay. And yet you can't ask any questions. And actually, the FBI forever busting Italians, and then after 9-11, forever busting Islamics. They work tirelessly, day and night. Get out of here. Get out of here. Going back to J. Edgar Hoover. When have they never been? They've always been politicalized. Always been politicalized. I don't know of a time in my life when they haven't been politicalized ever since they started with J. Edgar Hoover at the range, who determined there was no such thing as organized crime because... Uh, Frankie Costello, the head of organized crime, was fixing races for uh, J. Edgar Hoover and his boyfriend, Tolson, the number two guy in the FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, when he would visit uh, the rectory for Cardinal Spellman, right off of uh, Madison, uh, across from uh, the Helmsley Palace, the old Helmsley Palace, where all the Euro trash go now. They should clean that out and put illegal aliens in there, courtesy of Cardinal Dolan, right, in Catholic charities. But anyway, I digress. So so get this. J. Edgar Hoover used to go visit Cardinal Spellman at the rectory by St. Patrick's Cathedral, and they get dressed up like drag queens. The only thing they didn't have is drag queen reading hour. God. Oh, it's never been like this before. When have they ever been good? Come on, let's be honest. Oh, you're like, oh, yeah, J. Edgar Hoover, he was the best. He didn't even acknowledge that there was Italian organized crime. Did not acknowledge it. He was like Mario Faccia Brutta Como. By the way, an update on that. Um, there was a uh, attempt to remove the name Mario M. Cuomo Bridge from what was and will always be, in my mind, the Tappan Zee Bridge connecting Westchester to Rockland County. Apparently, they want to name it the Mario M. Cuomo Tappan Zee Bridge. Get out of here, Scoofus, the state senator from uh, Mid-Hudson, who wants to be like an all-everything bagel to everybody. No way. Take that Mario M. Cuomo off and put back the Tappan Zee Bridge. That should satisfy the Native Indians and the Dutch, right? I think. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And by the way, uh, Jack Smith couldn't have been more truncated, like he gave his statement a bris and didn't want to answer any questions. Listen the day before James Golden, who's on 4 to 5, Monday through Fridays, and in just a few hours, 7 to 10, a three-hour extravaganza, Listen to his commentary in question, the longest I've ever heard, uh, with his exclusive interview with the former president, Donald Trump. He, he gave a commentary, and he asked a question, and I'm saying, James, I don't want to hear you. We want to hear Trump. But let's talk about yeah. the immigration crisis. Finally, people had gotten the word. You can't just walk through America's borders. We're doing something about them. Now, right. not to say that the problem was completely solved. It was still a work in progress, but there was a dramatic shift. And you took such heat for this, for saying that you were going to build a wall, for saying that you were going to enforce the laws of the land. 
since you left office under Joe Biden, we have somewhere between four and six million new immigrants into this country, many of them here illegally. The reporting, and we can cite specific reporting from Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies, mm-hmm. who's been down on the other side, has demonstrated unequivocally that the asylum program is being scammed massively. Mm-hmm. What will you do to fix? And now we have Mayor Adams and others. Oh, 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 we don't have enough resources. The sanctuary states like California, Gavin Newsom, crying every day. Oh, they're sending us 15 more immigrants. They're sending us from Florida. They're sending immigrants. You have Texas. All of these, everything that you had worked to put a stop to in terms of illegal immigration, they have overturned, and now there are complaints from one end of the country to another that we don't have the resources to contend with this massive influx of illegal immigration. What are you going to do about that? That was a question to the former president, Donald Trump. You heard that guy in the background ready to jump in. That was Trump. I don't understand. He had a great interview with Donald Trump lined up, and parts of it were. But then he would give you a commentary, his opinion, and then finally ask a question. That commentary, opinion, and question by James Golden of Donald Trump was waiting to answer was longer than Jack Smith's announcement as special counsel of the 37-count indictment against Donald Trump. My God! Mononomai! Ask the question and jump back. It's like you're in batting practice, right? Throw it up there, throw a beach ball, step back. Don't try to strike him out. Don't try to throw a curveball or a slider. Let him hit it out of the park. Everybody wants to hear Donald Trump. They don't want to hear me. They don't want to hear Sid Rosenberg. They don't want to hear James Golden. They want to hear Donald Trump. Good, bad, or indifferent. Am I right on that, uh, Bill Lee? That question was longer than Jack Smith's two-minute statement. But, you know, James Golden, that's Avery's favorite. You know, if given the opportunity, it would be brother to brother. We know that, Avery. That's why you didn't join the chorus of criticism there. Hell no. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, and today the Belmont Stakes. You know, now that the uh, air appears to be purified from up in Canada. And by the way, I did a rip on Trudeau Jr. I blamed him for the poisonous airs that have infected us coming down from Canada. Oh, man, let me tell you something. You got to go to the WABC Facebook. You got to go to the WABC Instagram. There, I mean, tens of thousands of hits as our chief engineer has set up uh, like eight uh, humidifiers uh, to purify the air in uh, one of the broadcast studios. And I just went off on Trudeau. I, 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 I declared that we should do a Canadian bacon, too. We should invade Canada and just make it our 51st state because it's all burning down. The Maritime Provinces right up there in what? Prince Edward Island, New Finland, Halifax. Notice Halifax. 
and then over to Quebec, where they're screaming at us. It's burning down in French, and we can't understand. But, oh, man, we were like L'Orange. Remember that day, Wednesday, we were like L'Orange. It looked like Sid Rosenberg and Donald Trump coming out of the tanning bed in a tanning salon. They were orange. The whole sky. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Roger calling from the Catskills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Roger. Hey, how are you doing, Curtis? This is the first time. Pleasure to speak to you. Um, the incident, greatest urban movie ever made. That guy reminded me of that. I haven't watched it in a year. I got, I'm going to watch it tonight. It's free. It's online. Check it out. Ed McMahon, great performance. You would never think Ed McMahon, an actor, check it out. The train goes through the Bronx. My old hood, my old neighborhood, grew up around 161st in the stadium. I actually on 156th in Cortland Avenue, Jackson Houses. All right. I was in the PJs back then. That's right. I was one of those white. I'm not going to say, okay, (laughs) whatever. I was one of the few Caucasian families in the projects. It were probably three of us in, uh, you know, 500 families. But hey, that that was then. That's okay. I'm not there now, you know, with the gangbangers and everything. But I survived. I survived. This white kid could take care of himself. My uncle, Customato, you know, he, he trained us how to box. Mike Tyson is my cousin. You know why? Because Cuss adopted Mike, right? He's in Vegas now. I know how to take care of myself. So, so, so no let me get this straight. Hold on. Let, let me get yeah. this straight. No one was messing Ed, with the rock. Ed McMahon, who used yeah. to be the sidekick of Johnny Carson, used to be actually yeah. a barker on the boardwalk in Atlantic City. I'm surprised Frank right. Morano didn't see him there, that Mama Luku. What, what does he do, half his show about Atlantic City? What, what, what kind of, oh, my. Uh, he's what, got what is, a gambling problem. Yeah, what is he snoring? What is he snoring from Atlantic City? He's a maluk in a half. I know, but I I'm know telling you. way to go. Ed McMahon, in this movie, The Incident, Martin Sheen, and apparently it's on the subway, and I only saw a little snippet of it now. I got to see it. They tell me it's better than Pella 1, 2, 3. The first version, and remember, the second version was with uh, Denzel. You know, Denzel from uh, Mount Vernon, Fordham University, Denzel. When we come back, I got to do it all over again. I'm telling you, we got to do our tribute to the Iron Sheik. Yes, again. Again, I, I mean, I don't feel we did him justice. The greatest heel of all time in wrestling, the Iron Sheik, would mean, oh, God. When we come back, remember, we sat shiver for two hours for Pat Cooper, the greatest comedian of all time, spontaneous. I mean, the guy... Without drugs, without the benefit of cocaine, like many of the comedians had at that time, he was like on fire. He just passed in 93. Pat Robinson, we did the two hours of Pat Robinson, but we conflated into it. Do the right thing, Spike Lee, 40 Acres and a Mule, because Pat Robinson actually did his opening speech when he ran for the presidency and the Republican nomination uh, in 1986 against Bush 41. 
uh, right from Bed-Stuy, where he and his wife had spent, like, 20 years, I think, living in a brownstone there. They raised three kids, and he got booed out of the place. What what genius picked that place to do his presidential an- announcement? And, of course, we mentioned Rosie Greer in there, who introduced him, who had been there at the very time that RFK was assassinated by Surah and Surahan in the kitchen of the hotel in Los Angeles on the very night that he beat Come Clean Eugene McCarthy, coming on the heels of his son, RFK Jr., uh, now running in the Democratic primary to unseat Joe Biden, who about two weeks ago said that the CIA criminals in action was responsible for not only the assassination of his uncle JFK, the president, but his father, RFK, who was running for the presidential nomination, the Democratic nomination. If, had he won it, he probably would have gone on and had become the second Kennedy to be president of the United States. 1-800-848-9222. I don't care if you are Jew-American or I don't care if you are all-American boy, but I'd like to ask you a very simple question. Sure, go right Can ahead. you tell me very random and macrotondo what can a Pan-American been, what Olympic been, what the AAU been, what, the, what, what, what international compete they had? Can you tell me anyone? Well, I would have to go back to the library to check that out and go back to the record. What do you mean you have to go to the library? You want to tell me? Are you dumb? Another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Got to stay up to the break of dawn. To the break of dawn, no one's going to sleep. This was the theme song for Hulk Hogan. And a great theme song it was and still is. And it's associated with professional wrestling. And Hulk Hogan did have uh, battles with the Iron Shake. There's no doubt about it. But in no way, shape, or form could they, were they comparable to the battles of the greatest heel, the greatest fiend, the greatest foe in the history of professional wrestling, the Iron Sheik, in the midst of uh, the hostage-taking of our American embassy personnel in Tehran and Iran, the taking over of not just the embassy but the entire country by the Ayatollah Khomeini and his supporters as he flew in from Paris. He was in exile and the Shah fled. And who epitomized the Iranians? Who was the ally of the Ayatollahs? It was the Iron Sheikh. He became the face of Iran as our president wallowed in his weakness. Jimmy Carter, still in hospice in Plains, Jordan, just holding on there in Georgia. But at that time when he was president, 
he exuded weakness. And this sheikh just flexed on behalf of the Ayatollahs, the Persians, and Iran. Akasra uh, Vasari, Sheikh Kalahani, the Iron Sheikh. You, you've heard, have you ever heard the expression, man speak with forked tongue? You know, Jinmin, you're an intelligent American. You've been you. in the library. You read about a lot of different countries, a lot of different athletes. I just want to ask you a very simple question. I don't care you are Jew American or I don't care you are all American boy, but I'd like to ask you a very simple question. Sure, go right Can ahead. you tell me very random and macrotondo what kind of Pan American band, what Olympic band, what the AAU band, uh, what the, the what, what, what international compete they had? Can you tell me anyone? Well, I would have to go back to the library to check that out and go back to the record. What do you mean you have to go to the library? You want to tell me? Are you dumb? Are you a fool? Magnotondo, very random, every intelligent American know, just like my manager, Mr. Blasi, said, referee that Uncle Rufus was your cousin or whatever. That's because you're cheating us. No, you don't believe the uh, Mr. Blasi, you don't believe the Nikola Volkov. I'm sure you believe Magrotondo. You believe uh, Barry Vandom. For sure you are another all-American Jew man. Well, thank you very much. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Wow, did you hear Mean Gene Oakland, the best interviewer ever in professional wrestling? The Iron Sheik's final words to him were, you all-American Jew man. <laughs> oh, so good. He was the heel of all heels. People loathed him. They hated him. They despised him. Just to get him in and out of Madison Square Garden, they had to bring him in in an armored car with, with bodyguards that had AK-47s. People were attacking him everywhere he went. And he would just throw gasoline on the fire. And then one day in the WWF, one man emerged. No, I know it was Hulk Hogan later, but no, no, this was the better person because he fit the stereotype. Sergeant Slaughter, to maintain our honor, to defeat the Iranian menace, the agent of the Ayatollah Khomeini, and the person promoting the red, white, and blue, America, America, America. Wait a minute. Right now, we have Gene Okerlund, and we also have Sergeant Slaughter. All right, Sergeant Slaughter. I am simply bewildered at some of the things that have been happening here over the past couple of weeks. What in the world is going on? Obviously, animosity existing between you and the Iron Chief. I want all you people to listen up to what I have to say. I know that through my military career and all through my wrestling career I've called a lot of people maggots but I can say right here to you people that are here and the millions of people out there I can say that Fred Blassie, the American trainer and the Iron Chief are my friends are the biggest maggots of them all they're the biggest maggots of them all and I've had it right up to here Every time I pick up an American newspaper and see that one of my comrades, one of my people, one of my Marines, one of my boys went down, and now they're after.
they're just Americans. They're not even talking about military. Well, let me tell you, iron sheets and you American trigger blasties, governments don't fight. It's the people that fight. It's the people that die. And I'm telling you, maggots, I want you here if you get the guts next week, all alone, one-on-one, -on -one, to wrestle me right here, right here next week. Oh, what a bombshell. I cannot believe it. if he accepts this match. And one is the slaughter cannon. Two is the cobra clutch. Three is the cobra core. And last and not least, the one word you hate of all, USA, 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 USA. That is going to be an unbelievable one-on-one matchup, perhaps one of the greatest of all time. Next week, if it could occur. Packed Madison Square Garden and the traditor, classy Freddie Blassie had put the schmack on his head and became the manager for the Iron Shake, known for his camel clutch. But coming into that ring to restore the honor of America, so blemished, by the weakness of Jimmy Carter to the Ayatollah and his vicious supporters. Sergeant Slaughter, right? With the American flag, as he'd come into the ring, there was Iron Sheikh with his Iranian flag and his support. Supporter was Nikolai Volokov, who would sing the Soviet anthem with the Soviet flag. Oh, so good. It was so good. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Tommy. Hey, Curtis. Uh, you were talking about the Iron Sheik earlier and, and uh, being a trained wrestler. And the Olympic sport is Greco-Roman wrestling. You said Greco wrestling, but it was Greco, it's Greco-Roman. But that's cool. Um, you know, it's all right. Uh, and last month was Mental Health Awareness Month. This is this is kind of cool. Uh, it's important. Uh, you know, when I was um, fishing on uh, by Nick Slopter on Slappish Avenue, some guy was across the street by the uh, Marine Park uh, golf course screaming, kicking things. It was early in the morning, like uh, 1 o'clock in the morning. I was fishing for stripes. And um, he was going crazy. You know, he was screaming. So I just called over to him. I said, hey, what's up? He says, whoa, whoa, what's up? I said, come over here. Come on, come on, fish. I said, come on, it helps me calm down, you know. I got a little mental illness, too. I said, it helps me calm down. So he took a couple of casts, you know, and we talked it out for about an hour. And then I drove him back to Bissonhurst, where he lived. And, uh, you know, just another crazy up and another crazy. And I think it's important because you and, and some other people on your shows, on the WABC Network, have given me that opportunity to help somebody by not, you know, not just going up to him and talking to him. You know, some people need to be talked to. Just, hey, what's up? You know? Absolutely. You did the right thing, Tommy. And I appreciate the uh, constructive criticism. Did I call it Geico wrestling? 
like the little Geico, uh, like he said, Greco wrestling or Greco Roman wrestling, which, by the way, the great Bruno Sammartino was involved in first before he entered into the ring of the WWF for Vince McMahon Sr., father of Vince McMahon Jr. Let's go to Giuseppe. Uh, Joey, who's calling from Queens, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Curtis, good morning. Yes. A um, couple of things I'd like to talk to you about. First of all, mac and cheese is Italian. When you realize that ravioli is mac and cheese, baked lasagna is mac and cheese, baked ziti is mac and cheese, and how's about fettuccine alfredo? Now, hold, hold, hold on, Joe. Hold on. Now, a greater authority than you or I, you had on one side the charismatic, evangelical, uh, just passed away this past week, Pat Robertson, of the 700 Club, and uh, having his sister soldier moment with, yes, sister soldier who had had conflict with Bill Clinton uh, years and years ago. Pat Robertson had his sister soldier moment over mac and cheese. What is this mac and cheese? Is that a black thing? It is a black thing, Pat. So you're saying, Giuseppe, it is not a black thing? No, I I know four Italian dishes right away that are all mac and cheese. Okay? Uh, Curtis, it's an international thing. I'm sure we could find a French one and a German one and a whatever. Everybody has their different thing. Now, are you still there, my friend? Absolutely, Giuseppe. Oh, yeah. Can I give you something I wrote for you? Oh, it'll hey, take a minute. Hopefully it's not war and peace. Go ahead. No, no, it'll only take a minute. With his red cap in hand, he's the cat man of our city. Our man to fight the fight for day and night. His, he has skin in the game. Curtis Lee was his name, cat man. He is the guardian of old Gotham. On buses and subways, avenues and streets, he and his crew keep civility and peace. He has kept our city safe and sound and is known all around town as Catman. And his Nancy is his Robinette. Wow, that is so good. It only took a minute. I timed you. And in honor of you, Joe, the Tavares. See, 
It only took him a minute, Giuseppe, there in Queens, to read that. He, he was honest. You know, some people say, hey, can I read this? And it takes him a month of Sundays. And then we can come back. We can go out, run around the block, get a sandwich, a bowl of chicken soup, come back, and the guy's still reading. Joe was spot on, and it inspired me as part of our weekend of entertainment here at WABC to come in with one of the greatest groups of all times from Providence, Rhode Island, the Tavares. WABC, the acronym always broadcasting, Curtis. And I don't have a music show yet, right? I can take on Vinnie Madugno. I can even take on the greatest of all time, right? Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, and Tony Orlando without door. They're coming up starting at 5 o'clock today, Saturday. And then you don't want to miss it, Jersey Joe Piscopo, Sunday, 6 to 8, the Ramsey Mazda Sinatra nationally syndicated show, followed by Vinnie Madunia, and why not a music show, hosted by yours truly, Curtis Sleeper. want to be known as a minute guy you won't have many ladies if it only takes a minute you think that's the subliminal meaning of that song i do anyway just to give you an idea coming up uh from uh three to four today is left versus right and uh it involves anthony weiner on the left yours truly curtis lee on the right and I'm going to remind Anthony that it was back in 2013 that he showed up at the Flag Day ceremony in the gardens in Forest Hills and shockingly announced he was running for mayor after he had left Congress, crashed and burned, remember? Because he blamed Breitbart, claiming that the photo that he sexted and texted out was, in fact, Photoshop. Remember that? He left, only to resurface, and he shot right to the lead in the polls, only to fall back when Miss Indiana surfaced. Oh, my, oh, my. Boy, did he have problems then. But he straightened himself out. I'm going to remind him today, you don't want to miss it from three to four. And, oh, boy. And when I come back, back to back, belly to belly, from 12 midnight to 6 to take you to the break of dawn, we're going to talk about John Katzmatidis. 
pushed by CNN to save them from the abyss. He did it for us at WABC. He took us off of our deathbed. He wanted to do it for the Friars Club, but that idiot, Arthur Idala, who knows nothing about nothing about comedy and entertainment, he knows about the law, and that's it. He destroyed the Friars Club. It's now padlocked, but he wants to save CNN. We'll talk about Joan Rivers. Oh, yeah. Oh, her battles with uh, Johnny Carson. Chamu Alafe, Chris Christie, you know, who's in it now as uh, Orca the Killer Whale to take out Trump. Of course, the uh, funniest hour in all of radio about Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, by our own Avery, who has worked diligently all week long listening to that. God, you're a masochist, Avery, but in order to get the best hour of radio in which it'll be a belly laugh every second. And remember, his barbecue is scheduled for Saturday, and you were not invited, uh, Broadway Billy, because your complexion was not your invitation, nor you, Avery, nor even me. And then, of course, we have to talk about the Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo Bridge and how they want to tag on the Tappan Zee Bridge. That's a compromise. I'm not for that. Just get rid of Mario Facha Bruta on the bridge. And we finish it off with Marco Polo. The mob joined in Carroll Gardens said on Wednesday night in the middle of an emergency here when the air was orange and you couldn't breathe. Who was there getting wine dined in pocket line by the Gambino crime family? Yep, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens with his crooked former chief of staff, Frank Corona, and then a little tribute to Avante. Right there on Bell Boulevard. Remember the club where they would all show up with those <laughs> those track suits, right? And their little pinky rings. Oh, oh, you don't want to miss it. Back to back, belly to belly. We take you to the break of dawn. side of midnight now to the Bernard McGurk studios of 77 WABC here's Curtis Lewa Doesn't look like uh, it is Laurent out there, like uh, Sid Rosenberg and Donald Trump getting out of the tanning bed at a tanning salon when they looked orange. That's what it looked like on Wednesday. And boy, you got to check out the video I did spontaneously with the help of our entire crew. You go to the Instagram WABC, the Facebook WABC, the TikTok WABC, or go to my own social networking. We blew it up and blamed it on Trudeau Jr. And told him to take back the Canadian geese 
Canada Gooch will pooping all over the place, or else it'll be Canadian Bacon Round 2. Is this time no John Candy will be taking Canada as our 51st state. Hey, what the hell if it's going to burn down? It might as well burn down on our watch like California. Well, that's number one. Number two, it is the annual Puerto Riqueño Day Parade on Sunday up Fifth Avenue. I march in it every year with the Guardian Angels. I've been doing it since 1980. It was the first and only parade to let us march. Every other parade treated us as if we were pariah. Uh, Guardian Angels need not apply. Eventually, they got on board when my Kumbari Chich was uh, elected mayor of the city of New York, thank God, and gave our city a badly needed colonic. By the way, props to the Albanian community. They last night honored Rudy Giuliani at Riverside Church for their annual dinner. Oh, it's amazing. He won the Mother Teresa Award, although I never quite thought of uh, Rudy Giuliani as Mother Teresa, right? No. <laughs> but it was a great award, a great turnout. I could not be there. But I will be there momentarily. Believe it or not, the Albanians are starting their annual parade at 44th and 6th at 9 a.m. That's the earliest parade I ever heard of. That's because they now own restaurants. They own every pizza parlor. They're in the Macedonians. They own construction firms. They dominate in the Bronx, in Throgs Neck, and Morris Park, and Van Ness. And when you go up to Yonkers, oh, man, they are the power. And I'm going to be calling upon them because I'm on a mission to take out that crook, Mike Sano, the mayor for life in Yonkers, who's done away with term limits and has employed every one of his 18 family members at a cost of $2 million. And then the number one lobbyist is his brother. I will be coming up there on the 21st to help the Republican candidate unseat him. And I'm going to need Albanian power. And then I got a lot of multitasking today before I come back to do the rest of my broadcasting. I'll be up at the annual Puerto Riqueño Boricua Feast on 116th Street in East Harlem. Oh, yeah. And then tomorrow night before I resume my broadcasting for the final tour of establishing WABC, always broadcasting, Curtis, with the final hour being the Animal Welfare Hour, the most requested, most called into, and most re listened to of the many hours that I do. That's with my lovely wife, Nancy. That's from 11 to 12. Before that, I'll be in Sunset Park to wrap up the Boricua Sunday night activities in Sunset Park where I used to get it on with the dirty ones and the FLD's filthy mad dogs. Oh, they recreate those days when we would give them lump downs and beat downs and there weren't enough cops. And nobody mind, minded of the fact that we were vigilantes taking the law into our own hands. Now, oh my God, God forbid you get involved. You not only get sued, you get arrested like the U.S. Marine Corps hero, Penny, from West Islip, who choked out Jordan Neely that nobody cared about until all of a sudden he died. And now all these relatives are surfacing in all these lawsuits. But really what it's meant to do is render everyone impotent who wants to get involved. And then finally, talking about impotency, 
Man, that's it for horse racing for me. If you notice, I didn't do any predictions for the Belmont Stakes. Never going to another horse race. Horses are dying. They're dropping like flies on tracks throughout America. They no longer have racing at Churchill Downs. They had 12 horses die. These are two, three, four-year-olds healthy because the trainers are juicing them up because they're so greedy. They're killing the horses in order to win the big prizes. That is a Shanda. That is Ubistraziata. You will never see me at a horse track again. I don't think you are too American, or I don't think you are all American, boy. But I'd like to ask you a very simple question. Sure, go right Can ahead. you tell me very random and macrotondo what can, can American band, what Olympic band, what the AAU band, uh, what the, the what, what, what international compete they had? Can you tell me anyone? To the Iron Shape, to Pat Cooper.